You're either in or you're out. Right now. I'm Stuart Moraine, and each episode I'm joined by a guest to talk about a movie they love. Uh, for this episode, I was joined by the All Star Superfan Podcast co-host Alan Burke uh, to talk about Star Trek VI: The Undiscovered Country, as well as a bit of Superman to talk to because that was bound to happen because we're both massive Superman fans. Um, anyway, I hope you enjoyed the chat, and as always, keep the conversation going in the comments on our socials, in the Am Why Not Facebook group, or wherever you see this episode posted. Uh, that's it for now, so with all that out of the way, let's roll the trailer. The Klingon Empire has 50 years of life left to it. To offer Klingons a safe haven within Federation space is suicide. They're animals. Jim, they are dying. And you, Captain Kirk, are to be our first olive branch. Me? The galaxy stands at a crossroads. This is the Starship Enterprise. We've been ordered to escort you to your meeting on Earth. Guess who's coming to dinner? I have so wanted to meet you, Captain. One warrior to another? Right. On the verge of peace. The undiscovered country. The future. On the brink of war. We come in peace, and you blatantly defy that we haven't fired. According to our databanks, we have. I shall blow you out of the stars. Now, the crew of the Starship Enterprise will not be the instigators of full-scale war on the eve of universal peace. They're coming about. Battle stations. Fights not to win battles. Incoming. Signal our surrender. Captain? We surrender. But to end them forever. consider an attempt to rescue them an act of war there will never be a better time this is captain sulu uss excelsior we stand ready to assist you this is fun you do prefer it this way as it was meant to be warrior to warrior she cannot take much more of it Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Hello, Alan. How are you? Hey, Stuart. How are you keeping? It's uh, it's really it's really great to meet you in, in person or digitally at least. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's as close as it gets to in person these days, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah, it is. But yeah, how's things? How's things with you? Good, good. Um, just, you know, adjusting to life post-COVID, really. The the mask <laughs> mandate ends here in Ireland tomorrow and getting used to that and getting back out. I went for dinner with the family there this evening with my, my wife and daughter and that. And it's just nice to to get back to some kind of normality. I'm actually having my first night out. I, I recently um, got a, a little bit of a, an appointment, a, a, a promotion kind of at work there recently. We're having a, a, a due next Friday to kind of celebrate on that. And uh, just the thought of being in a 
pub with friends drinking pints and you know <laughs> I'm, it's, it's going to be so surreal after god i don't think i've been out properly to a pub in two years it's yeah crazy it's crazy but yeah no life is good thank god and you know with everything that's going on you know ukraine and everything like that uh, it's, it feels a bit uh it would seem a bit privileged to complain about the minor things you know yeah no yeah exactly it's uh <laughs> It seems to be we come out of one crisis and somebody just what's keeps going on in the world. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. But <laughs> it's uh, look, I'm just, I'm happy to be here in Ireland, and you know, with my lot, it's, it's, no, it's everything's going good, thank, thankfully. Yeah, that's it. That's like I've always said. There's a lot of people who had it a lot worse than me. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to, to sort of moan that you know, <laughs> the last Bond film was delayed by a year and a bit is a bit. <laughs> I know, I know. But I didn't that's get your to... only problem in life. <laughs> my my biggest problem over the last month has been the fact that I actually didn't make it to the theater to see uh, the last Spider Man movie, which I still haven't seen. Believe it or not, it just it came at a at a time when I just couldn't get an hour to myself to to do anything other than either work or be at home. So it's uh, when those are your biggest complaints. I I have I have nothing to be complaining about. Yeah, you know? I I couldn't get it because just as we were going to go all the family one by one started coming down with COVID so we couldn't go out. Yeah. So I just had to go online and mute everything that might potentially talk about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to I'm going to hopefully going to see uh the the Matt Reeves Batman uh, movie next week. I'm, I'm hoping as long as my hangover isn't too bad. I'm <laughs> hoping to go see it. And uh, look I I love the, those movies. I love you know comic book movies and stuff. Uh, another Batman movie, yeah, sure, you know. But to be honest, I'd like to see something a bit different now at this point. You know, I've, I've, I suppose, look, I, I, I've read all the the origin stories and the books and stuff, and you know, Year One and all those things, and I kind of think I know what to expect, and I'd like to see something different. I'd, I'd like to see things move away from Batman for a little while, um, but yeah. I'm still looking forward to it. I think it's, I think it, it, it looks from what I've seen. I haven't seen, you know, it hasn't been spoiled from anything, but from what I've seen, it's, it, it looks very impressive. Yeah, I've deliberately avoided stuff just because certain dc films that i've looked forward to recently have been a bit anticlimactic yeah. for me so yeah 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 deliberately not getting any hopes up for it um, yeah slightly well, annoyed hopefully. that now i'm not only am i older than superman i'm older than batman as well i've reached that age now and i'm going to be older than the next james bond probably as well <laughs> yeah the, the the moment i realized that tyler hecklin was the first live action superman to be younger than me was a bit of a a, a little bit of a shock and i was i remember thinking to myself i was like jesus this guy comes to like dublin comic con or something well i want to get an autograph off some guy who's like four years <laughs> younger than me and has achieved so much more um, but of it's, course it's when i realized he was too. the kid from road to Perdition. That's I know. what it broke for me. I know. It's I'm liking like... this guy as Superman, but he looks familiar. It's like, what else? Is... Oh, <laughs> shit, really? It's yeah. Like, like no, I got I a good 10, 15 years on him, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, life just moves on. It was it was, it was, was inevitab- an inevitability, I suppose. So we're just of that age. Like, I'm, what am I now? I'm 37, 38 this October. So, you know, it, it, nobody wants a 40 year old new Superman or new Batman. You know, they all want younger actors and stuff. But still, I, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing the film. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what other kind of things are going Now that I'm hoping we're past the whole Snyder uh, era of, of DC movies. I, I, I'm hoping that that's behind us. Yeah. I'm looking I, forward I to seeing so. what's coming. I, I knew know. the restore the Snyderverse thing was going to come once they got the Snyder cut. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, you, know, you could just tell it was coming. It's like once you gave them that breadcrumb. Yeah. Some people have just made it their whole personality is, yeah. is, I mean, is... he didn't help it instead of just putting out what he'd done and tidying that up. He had to put in little yeah. snippets to kind of like fish for another job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, you know, it's and, fine. There are people that like those films and there are people that like those films that I'm perfectly fine with. There is also a toxic part of that fandom, but... Yeah, I, I, to be honest, I just don't... Look, you can you can like... like and I know we're going to get into like sci-fi stuff and, and this is my first time to, on a podcast talking about something that is not superhero related i'm looking i'm looking forward to that um i did an episode of always hold on to the flash there a few nights ago with uh, matt truix and zach moore and that was my first time on a podcast not talking about superman so i'm, I'm yeah. slowly moving away a little bit but like you can talk about films and we'll, i'll get into this when we talk about star trek and that later on but you can talk about films like 2001 space odyssey which is clearly a you know, uh, uh, an unbelievably artistic movie, and you know, there's a lot of depth to it and a lot of 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 meaning to it and stuff. But it, it bores the shit out of me every time I watch it. And like, uh, like films can be all those things, but at the end of the day, if I'm not entertained by something, I, I'm not going to go back to it. And those Snyder movies just didn't entertain me at all. From Man of Steel on, I just didn't, I didn't see the appeal to them. And you know, I love Superman. I love Batman. Um, I love what Marvel has done with their movies over the first ten years or whatever. And I'd love to see. Uh, uh, Warner kind of get it right with 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 the DC characters and and you know but I I just really don't like those Snyder movies I just I, I find them dull and bleak and just not entertaining and and I've said it before I I think we said it to to JM and Mark Wade on our podcast but I I, I remember like like if I can't bring my kid to it I'm not you know and I'm not saying that they all have to be kid friendly I I, I understand like Batman 89 Batman 1992 Batman Returns was you know fairly adult yeah but like I, I, I would bring my kids to see either of those before any of the Zack Snyder movies I think yeah like, bar I mean, maybe Man of Steel with, with Batman it's understandable Superman you should be able to take the family to yeah but Warner Brothers are notorious for that they're notorious for this thing of they've, oh this worked let's do it again but yeah, yeah. Like as soon as I saw Batman Begins, uh, no, as soon as I saw The Dark Knight, I I knew I was like, oh god, they're going to rinse, copy, and repeat this with every other character they have now, and it's exactly what happened. Yeah, as soon as they um, announced Man of Steel and used the term "grounded in reality," I was like, oh, yeah. for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I'm no big fan of Returns and stuff. Like the majority of Superman films are not good movies, you know. No. Like, you know, and that's and that's the honest truth of it. They're not good movies overall. Like, they have a lot of nostalgia nostalgia value for me. Obviously, I love the first uh, two Christopher Reeve movies, the Richard Donner and Richard Lester movies. Um, I personally love Superman 3, but again, if it came out today, I'd probably hate it. It's just that's the one that I grew up watching yeah. more than any other. So I have this love for it since I was a child. Um, I'm not a big fan of Quest for Peace and stuff. So, But like uh, Returns is bad, Man of Steel is bad. So I like the majority, they're, they're, they're more bad than good. Um, you know, yeah. I, I admit that. Like, But I, I don't think we've seen the the uh, pinnacle of of these characters on screen yet i don't think we've seen the batman the you know the green lantern even the superman like super christopher reeve did a great job but it's almost 50 years ago i was going to say it's several different supermans ago now that was the most frustrating yeah, thing yeah. to me about superman returns there are elements of superman returns that i love but it had yeah. such an opportunity to have a clean canvas and it tied itself to the reeve movies which yeah. on the one hand i understand but on the other hand it was just a massive missed opportunity I just found it very uh, uh, dull. I just thought the acting was flat. I thought the script was flat. I didn't give a shit about Lex Luthor's land grab plot that made no sense. I just, it was just, yeah, I remember I was so looking forward to it. I was in the uh, 
the, the Garda College, which is the basically a police college, uh, police academy, uh, back in 2006 when it came out and I was training and stuff. And I, I remember really looking forward to going home and seeing it that weekend. And then I kind of knew from the first couple of frames when I thought that the, the credits kind of looked like the credits from Third Rock from the Sun, more so than <laughs> Superman the movie. And I was like, Ugh. and then you get that weird scene at the start with Lex Luthor and and uh, Noelle Neal's character in the film where she's this elderly lady that he's kind of swindled out of her money. And I'm like, what, what, where is this going? And and then they didn't show, and they never, like we were talking earlier on, I think it was off mic about uh, director's cuts and stuff. And uh, I'd still like to see that uh, release of that film with the, the Krypton footage of yeah. going back to Krypton and stuff. Like that's there. And I don't it's see anyone crying DVDs, out for that. It's isn't it? They've just not cut it into yeah, the film. They, it's in the Indonesian scenes. Yeah, I, I think, you know, now maybe it wouldn't add anything to it. It's the equivalent of I'd love to see the um, the full uh, version of the um, Quest for Peace movie, even though the Quest for, for Peace isn't a great film itself. And I don't think that extra footage is going to make it any better of a film. In fact, no. from what I've seen of the deleted scenes, they look awful. Um, no, I mean, I'd still just like to see it. I've always joked with Quest for Quest for Peace that they spent pence on that movie and you can see both of them up on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And look, there's... there's I loved it as a kid, film. though, I must admit. I didn't even like it as a kid. I didn't even like it as a kid. It was definitely see, the one I watched. I was just least. so starved of Superman stuff. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. And, like, what was that, 1987? Like, I would yeah. three, four years of age. It would have been the only Superman movie that I was alive for the, of the, that era of films um, when it came out in theatres and stuff. And um, and I know people who love it. A, a good friend of ours now, Martin Lakin, who does uh, Supermania78.com and works with um, Jim Bowers on the Cape Wonder Network and stuff. Uh, he he's he loves that movie. He's a huge um, uh, advocate for that film, and you know, clicks all the props and stuff. And I've spoken to him about it on the. We've spoken to him about it on the show and off mic as well. And I know there are people that absolutely adore it, but I just, you know, I, it just never, it never did it for me. But then again, I love Superman 3 and a lot of people think Superman 3 is worse than Superman 4. So, you know, each to each, each their own. <laughs> no, I got no problem with people, you know, if they genuinely love it kind of thing, and especially yeah. a film like that that was made with, I mean, Press for Peace in particular was made with the best of intentions, even the best 3 of was. Intentions. Yeah. Uh, 3 for me is just feels like a Richard Pryor comedy with Superman in it rather than... <laughs> And it, it is, it is a Richard Pryor comedy and the focus is on the wrong character. Um, and, you know, I could fight about it, you know, the, the issue. I, I'm just, I'm really, I've always thought that with a couple of small edits, you could really turn it into something great. You yeah. know, I think with, if you remove some of the slapstick, uh, slapstick comedy, remove some of the Richard Pryor scenes, um, little things, I, I think you could turn it around. But like, out of all the films, out of all those four movies, I, I solid, I, I really do think that Superman three is the most kind of Silver Age accurate, yeah, Superman movie. Um, you know, because those comics w- were silly, you know, and th- there was silliness in them, and you know, silly things like Richard Pryor coming off the roof and, and landing on the skis on the ground, you know, fifty f- stories down and not being hurt. And that that kind of stuff happens in the in the comic books of the of fifties and sixties and stuff. Um, but yeah, I can totally see why people don't like it. Yeah, you know, um, 
it's, it's what you grew up with to a certain degree, isn't that's it? it. You, your it. first exposure. Yeah. <laughs> Same with Doctor Who, isn't it? Your first Doctor is generally your Doctor. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, I'm going to let you know a secret. I have never in my life seen one episode of Doctor Who. <laughs> Not one. <laughs> it was just, it was never a thing here. It was, yeah. Doctor Who never took off in Ireland, for which is strange, considering that other sci-fi stuff, you know, that, that translated very well from different countries. Doctor Who... Um, I know, I know Rob, um, Rob O'Connor, who I host uh, All Star Superfan with. Um, he he's a big Doctor Who fan, and that. But yeah. I just, I never got into it. I never got into it. No, again, it's it's not for everybody, um, <laughs> and it can be incredibly frustrating at times. <laughs> I don't think I don't even think it aired over here unless you had the the uh, BBC. Like back back in the day here in Ireland, you had th- you had kind of like. Uh, three uh, terrestrial channels irish channels and then if you got like a cable hookup you'd got you got like bbc and itv and all those things included in that but most people just had the the three irish channels and whereas a lot of things like star trek the next generation were all played on those irish channels and say thursday nights or saturday nights i I don't think doctor who ever played over here yeah that's strange you would have thought it would have yeah yeah sort of as close as we are kind of thing yeah, but, or especially when the especially when it relaunched back in the mid two thousands. Yeah, definitely know, then. But. You know, no, no, it never, it never did. But um, yeah, and, and I look, I, I'm a huge sci fi geek. Like I, yeah. I love sci fi stuff, which which is handy because <laughs> the, the, the <laughs> film we picked today is, uh, or that you picked rather, is a uh, Star Trek Six: The Undiscovered Country. Um, so a little bit about the film then. Uh, it was written by Nicholas Meyer, Denny Martin Flynn, based on a story by Len Nimoy. Lawrence Connor and Mark Rosenthal based obviously on the TV series created by Gene Roddenberry and directed by Nicholas Meyer, uh, starring all your usual Star Trek regulars, Shatner, Nimoy, Kelly uh, and the like, and with Kim Catterall, uh, David Warner and Christopher Plummer. Uh, it was released in cinemas on the 6th of December 1991 in the US, then we got it a couple of months later on Valentine's Day in 1992. Not sure how my wife would feel if I told her I was taking her to a Star <laughs> Trek film for Valentine's Day. Especially um, if you brought her to see Star Trek V. Well, yeah, I don't think she'd have done six. <laughs> um, gross $96,888,996 uh, worldwide on a $30 million budget, uh, according to IMDb. Uh, Roger Ebert gave the film three stars out of four, although uh, I find it difficult to pull a quote from his review because he largely reviews the films as a whole, the series as a whole, yeah. rather. Um, but he does say the sixth film has so much more life and interest than the dreary uh, Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, which yeah. is fair enough. Although there are elements of that film also that I enjoy. Um, on the plus side, though, for this one, I did find a Barry Norman review from Film 92, where Barry Norman said... Star Trek VI sags a bit in the middle, but mostly it's a lively, entertaining tale in which the cast are never averse to taking the gentle Mickey out of themselves. All right, considering the combined age of its occupants, the USS Enterprise does seem to serve as a kind of intergalactic Zimmer frame these days, and no doubt it is high time for Kirk and Co. to boldly go and leave younger people to boldly get on with it. But I shall miss the old boys and girls. I kind of get that feeling from the film. Yeah, it's there's there's definitely a, a feeling that they are past it now. Like, what age would they have been? Kind of late fifties, early sixties. Some of the, yeah, the cast, God I presume, around this time, possibly older. Uh, uh, DeForest Kelly, Bones, Bones McCoy alone looks like he's eighty years of age in, in, the, See, in the film. Bones always looked old. Even I've always loved Bones. Did, Bones yeah. has always been my favorite character. There's something about Bones. It's not so much the look, but the character yeah. always reminded me of my granddad. 
because he was a yeah. grouchy old fucker, but <laughs> sort of at Christmas or something, when he came alive, he was like the warmest man you could meet. And you always get that feeling with Bones. It's like, once you get to know him. Yeah, he's like, I I kind of like, uh, Star Trek was strange for me because I got into Star Trek. I never really watched the original series, right. the original uh, 60s series growing up. Now, I watched it later on in life when it uh, came on Netflix and, and yeah. things I watched. You know, uh, I didn't watch every episode or anything like that, but I watched the classic, like the 10 the classic episodes, things like, you know, Trouble with Tribbles and uh, City on the Edge of, uh, City yeah. on the Edge of Forever. And um, That's the one that always yeah. seems to be on whenever I catch it on telly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is great because it's the best, you know, it's one of the best episodes yeah. and uh, Space Seed and all those, you know, iconic episodes and, and things um but i always found it just it was just too dated for me i i didn't yeah. grow up with it and it's like the original kind of sean connery james bond movies i know sean connery's you know the best james bond but i just it, it, it they're just too dated for me which now which is strange because like i'm a huge fan of like 1950s noir movies and and detective movies and that kind of stuff but just when it came to the science fiction i i it was i was it was too distanced from from what i knew um, I really got into Star Trek with uh, Star Trek The Next Generation yeah. uh, back in the day. Like it launched in 87. I would have been three going on four years of age. I remember watching it kind of in 89, 90, 91 with my dad um, every week and just being just absolutely loving it. And my, I, I'm a huge Star Trek fan, but I don't love all of Star Trek. Yeah. Um, like I, I absolutely, but what I, what I do like, I love, and I, I loved, and even though now I'm older and I, I see the flaws of next generation, especially those first two seasons. Yeah. Um, yeah, I did a big and, rewatch and I was like halfway through the second season. Like, yeah. Is it always this shit? Am I just, and then you sort of get yeah. into the good stuff. Like the first season is very much like, uh, like the, the original series, like yeah. the music and the, the awful, st- um, sound stages and the overacting and stuff. Um, and then there's some kind of episodes that aren't haven't aged very well in terms of you know uh, race and stuff. Um, and, but then like it's it's obviously Michael Pitt came in season three and it just cha- everything changed from season three on. Like it was just a different show. Not to say that there weren't there wasn't good episodes in certain good episodes in season two more so probably than season one. Um, but I love the Next Generation and yeah. the movies that came with the Next Generation then. Well, they're not very good. Um, but I saw them all in the theater at the time. I saw Generations in 94. I saw First Contact, which is by far the strongest one. I saw, I didn't see Insurrection in the cinema, but I saw uh, Nemesis. Nemesis has a strange, Nemesis is a terrible film. Um, but it was the last film I kind of saw in secondary school with my mates before we all went our separate ways, you know, yeah. in a way, before, like the end of secondary school, going off to college, kind of the last Saturday before we all left and we went to see uh, Nemesis. So it always reminds me of that. But it's quite a fitting film as well, given that Riker yeah. being using. <laughs> and, 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 and Star Trek had been like the next generation had been with me since I was four years of age, you know, and now I was 17 going to college and like that. Riker was leaving and going off to the Titan and things were changing and it was really solemn especially those last, those last few scenes um and then like deep space nine i stuck with but again like i struggled with and i even do now i struggled with deep space nine until i got the the the, the tip to kind of start off in season four kind of yeah. season three season four um it's you once, can rate it by cisco if he's got hair leave yeah it. if he's got a shaved head i i, I genuinely 
I generally like it from when Worf shows up. Yeah. From around that point on, I, I really like it. Um, Voyager was a complete missed opportunity. That yeah, I didn't I, enjoy I Voyager never, at all. Like, I, I don't know what happened with Voyager, but it was such a great concept. And like, they should have been like, how many episodes was there where the ship was like left for dead or on its last legs, and next week the ship was perfect again? There's no yeah, explanation. It, it should have got... been like lost in space with Star exactly. Trek. I with exactly. um, Voyager, I watched the first few, and I was like. I just, life's too short you know yeah i was i was fairly young and you know there were comics to read and there were girls to meet kind of thing so i was at that age and i just didn't find it very interesting i just thought it was such a missed opportunity and enterprise like i might get back into this so i put one on and it was like you know we're going into that nebula there's coffee in that nebula i was like fuck this yeah (laughs) (laughs) and but i like the cast uh yeah you know like i like the cast of the and and the majority of the characters in it even maybe not so much neelix and that but other you know like the janeway is a great very strong cast character yeah. uh questionable decisions later on in the series all right but you know i i enjoyed i enjoyed what they tried to do but i think they fell well short of the mark of what the show could have been yeah and then enterprise never really felt like i was kind of gone out of that like by the time enterprise came out i was in college and i wasn't really keeping with what was going on and stuff for those couple of years and kind of going out with friends and stuff and when i went back to it to see it it just didn't really feel like star trek to me and it definitely didn't feel like a prequel to um the original series. Yeah. But then, which some people might find blasphemous, I really enjoyed the J.J. Abrams movies, even though I know that a lot of people are like, you know, it's blasphemy. It's not real Star Trek. It's more Star Wars than Star Trek or more Fast and the Furious than Star Trek. But like I said earlier, like I need to be entertained and I found them entertaining. Yeah, Um, I thoroughly enjoyed particularly that first one. Yeah, particularly Um, the first one. The second one was slightly bogged down by the no, he's not Khan. No, he's not Khan. No, yeah, not Khan. that was bad. Oh, that right, was a mistake. Yeah, it was a bit like was... the whole Blofeld reveal in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That bond exactly. It's like we know it is. Just lean into Just it. Be Stop making it like it. it's a big fucking secret. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I don't think they'd done enough with the franchise to do that in the second They hadn't film. earned it at all, no. They hadn't earned it at all. Um, I, I enjoyed Beyond. I went to the premiere, thanks to Dublin City Comics and Collectibles, uh, scored me tickets to the premiere in... Um, well, actually, no, it wasn't Dublin City. That was, that was Batman v Superman. Uh, um, Star Trek era uh, scored me, uh, which is a kind of an Irish-based Star yeah. Trek fan group, uh, scored me tickets to the, to the, to the premiere in Dublin. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, Star Trek Beyond. Yeah, I really liked it. Uh... yeah but like uh, the next generation is my favorite iteration of star trek the films are not good but when i was kind of in my god early 20s i'd say i i remember thinking i'd love to watch a good sci-fi movie kind of kind of like star trek but not star trek and then i was like i might try the tos uh movies yeah so i was late enough before i saw them um i'm fairly sure it was my early 20s and uh, I loved the majority of them. I, yeah. I I watched from from one through to six. I watched them all. I, I there was ones I much preferred over others. But I was like, these movies are great. They're great. And I, I I've I've they've always had a special place with me ever since. So my Star Trek fandom is kind of Star Trek: The Next Generation, the original cast movies, and then the J.J. Abrams films. Yeah. I don't I, I don't like Discovery at all, or I I don't enjoy Discovery at all. It doesn't feel like Star Trek to me. No, um, I've only seen the first two series of that um yeah which more the first one was because jason isaacs was in it as well and i'm a big jason yeah. isaacs man um yeah, but great. um yeah it's it just felt a little bit too trying to be edgy kind of thing 
I just I look and I, maybe... I can't bring myself to watch Picard just because like, somebody I know absolutely loves Star Trek was disappointed yeah, and... by it. And I was kind of like, if he's disappointed by it. I was disappointed by it. It, it And it's like that thing I said about Enterprise earlier. It just doesn't feel like when, when, when shows like Deep Space Nine made such an effort to fit into the fit the original series into the canon by like doing that episode where they went back into the episode Trouble with Tribbles. Yeah. Um, like I, I and I understand, look, you want to update it and stuff, but uh, there's no way that discovery happened before the, the the original series. Like, there's no way they're set the same universe. Yeah, and I don't understand why they just didn't say this is another separate universe. I don't but know continuity... why they didn't put it in the Kelvin timeline. Exactly, exactly. And it's it's a, it's just a real a continuity is a real thing with me. I I like order and I like knowing the rules of where I am and things just not being wiped away for the sake of it. Yeah, uh, which is funny because I'm a huge comic book fan. That that tends to happen, but, which is why I love things like. Um, um, uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths, even though it's it's very bloated and stuff, I love that because the 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 book now, not the not the yeah. CW special, because they're making an effort to go. Yeah. We're not just saying everything that happened over the last fifty years doesn't count. We're making it count, but we're saying that we're starting fresh or that this is a different iteration or this yeah. is changing, and we're respecting what came before. And I just don't think Discovery respects what came before. And Picard just didn't feel like Picard at all, to be honest with me. It didn't feel like it was just episodes of just people berating him and telling him he was stupid. And I, I don't understand what the story is with the swearing. Like I said earlier, like I, I and again, I'm not approved by any means, but it. And I don't think that Gene Roddenberry is this great bird in the sky that everybody thinks he is. You know, I think that he came up with this concept for a show back in the 60s. And then when he came back to it, kind of in the movies in the 80s, he he added more or in his own mind, there was more meaning to it or he added more depth to it than yeah. there ever in, he ever intended it to be. Um, but like, I think he'd be turning in his grave with the, you know, fuck this and fuck that. And like, I watched it with my father, like the, the TNG that was, I used to love sitting down with my dad, watching them every week. And like, I wouldn't sit down with my daughter watching, watching discovery and, you know, swearing and that kind of stuff. That's well, not so what Star it, Trek is. It just is. doesn't belong in Star Trek. No, it'd be like no. if suddenly no. Superman was like, you know, effing in. Yeah. I mean, I swear a lot again. I'm not approved yeah. of swearing, like, but it just, it's... it doesn't feel right. Exactly, exactly. And I know there's that scene in Generations that's done for uh, for, for comedy, and it but it works. Is that yeah. scene where, where Brent Spiner goes, oh shit, as they're yeah. as the as the saucer is plowing into the into the planet. Um and like I said, I love Star Trek Six and Gene Roddenberry hated Star Trek Six. Yeah. So, you know, like I'm not saying that he he his word is, is gospel, but I, I just think it just doesn't feel like Star Trek to me. Um, but I, I love the movies i love those original movies six is my favorite um uh, i was gonna uh, say why why six because generally in the canon it's wrath two. of khan or yeah. first contact of the two held yeah. in higher sort of regard of the I, I, 10 I original films I, I i and i was thinking about this when you when you asked me to come on and i don't really i don't really have a straight answer for it i just the motion picture again like i said earlier it's like 2001 a space odyssey that's the one um, i struggle with the most yeah and i think it's the one that most people struggle with the most and then that i think it's the one that most people pretend they like the most 
I think, yeah, Kevin Smith sort of summed it up best, where it's like they were so impressed with what they could finally do that you get 10 minutes yes. from approaching the Enterprise, like, duh, nah. Yeah. It's like, we'll get it from this yeah. angle, this angle, and this angle. And I, I don't even mind that, but later on, you know, it gets very psychedelic. Yeah. And like that, 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 that scene where, where Spock and them are, and they're going into the, the, the anomaly and that and it goes on for 15 minutes or, and it's beautiful and it's amazing what they could do. But I'm bored. Every time I watch it, I'm bored. It feels um, very and, much like the launch for a TV show, which it turned out it was. It was they yeah. distilled what was going to be the Star Trek sequel series into a movie. And yeah, it very and much I feels like that. It's kind of in hindsight, it's kind of got this reputation of being, you know, the artistic Star Trek movie and the highbrow Star Trek movie. But I think if most people were honest with themselves, it's, it's Star Trek for wankers. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a boring <laughs> film with a boring concept, and there's no villain in it really, and it's just dull it is it's dull it's flat it's dull it's lacking color or character it's just yeah uh the story is it doesn't really go anywhere it's it's really and i and i could see why it didn't do well at the time and then wrath of two comes along and wrath of two is basically a submarine movie in space yeah and i love everything about it it's i saw it i went with rob actually before we even started all-star superfan and we went to the uh, live screening of william william shatner in attendance nice and went and saw it in the in the, the board gosh energy energy theater here in um in i think that's where it was wasn't it yeah it was in dublin and you know he did a q a which was very funny because shatner is shatner he's the exactly the kind of guy that everybody says he is you know I, we have this very famous uh radio host here who did the interview and he'd ask shatner, he'd ask shatner questions and shatner would just answer questions that weren't asked of him that the host didn't ask like as if he kind of he came out with a script of questions that he wanted to be asked and no matter what the host asked him he just answered these questions that were in his head and like the host was was very tom dunn is his name he's a very famous uh, musician and and radio dj here and uh he was kind of just at by the end of it he was just i, I felt so sorry for him he saw the funny <laughs> side of it too and it was kind of this shtick that shatner was doing you know he yeah. had these pre-prepared kind of 10 stories and he was going to tell these stories and fit them into the answers of whatever questions but um i saw it in the theater and god it holds up great wrath of can is such a great film and then three isn't great four is okay five again there's things i like about five i don't think it deserves the hate that it gets um, no um like i say there are elements of that film breath of calm for me because i saw it i must have been five or six maybe i'm terrified ever since of things going in my ear that film oh scared gosh. the shit out of me as a kid because you know my- as a child you don't quite piece yeah. together everything that's going on i love it as yeah. an adult but yeah earwigs and stuff yeah 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 because for me oh, growing up Saturday nights were um, your dad would go to the video shop and he'd either come back with a Star Wars film we've seen a million times or a, the new Star Trek film that was out or a James Bond or something like that. Or It's funny you should say that because I, I literally just remember this. The first ever time I saw Star Trek to The Wrath of Khan. Do you remember what the VHS cover looked like? It was kind of, it's, a, it's kind of this yellowy red cover and there's a big picture of can standing yeah. there and he's all muscly and stuff and i i went to the local video shop with my cousin and my grandmother i, I, I literally just remember this and we went in and i wanted to rent the 1987 masters of the universe movie <laughs> and i picked up the wrong box i picked up wrath of can thinking that it was masters of the universe because i was so young i probably couldn't read the fucking thing and <laughs> I was like, oh, here it is, here it is. I found it and giving it up to the guy at the counter and going back and putting it on and going, what the fuck is this? 
crazy <laughs> shit and then sitting down and watching it and then I remember because like I was I was I was spoiled as a kid. I remember my grandmother ringing up the video shop and giving out that the guy had given us the wrong tape, even though it was completely my fault. Because it was only years later that I saw the actual cover for it. And I was like, oh shit, I picked up the wrong one. Um but to be six, fair, Khan and Dolph Lundgren, they're kind of as a child, I can see you making that mistake. Especially with that kind of poster art, yeah. you know, that kind of poster VHS cover. Um, but when I saw six, uh I was definitely in my 20s when I saw Six for the first time. <clears throat> and I remember thinking, oh, The Undiscovered Country, I don't really think I know this one. And I, I put it on. And from the moment it starts, uh, from the moment you 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 go past the Paramount uh, logo, and the music is different. Like Chris Chris Eidelman, who was only 26 years of age yeah. at the time, compo- it was the composer for the film. And the tone is completely different to anything else in any of the Star Trek movies. It's this, it's this real kind of... Um, ominous score, uh, you know, it's kind of this dark, ominous score, kind of, and they they do the true space stars thing, which again confused me as a, a confused like another thing that makes it kind of look a little bit like Masters of the Universe and Superman the movies and stuff. Is that space credits? Yeah. They love that in the eighties, um, and yeah, you can just tell it's going to be different, and it's you know that opening then with uh, Sulu and Praxis exploding and the yeah. great effects there and the Excelsior looks amazing. The model work is like I only watched it again last night, and in preparation for this, and the model work and everything they nailed it. Like yeah. considering that there was only like the only CGI shots that I can think of in it is the the Praxis effect. Uh, of of praxis blowing up and the the the, the, the blood the blood from yeah. the from the Klingons, the ships look incredible. Yeah, you know ILM who did the effects for this one came back after the you know the, they nobody was happy with the work that had been done on on Star Trek Five and that hasn't aged as well. But the the ILM came back for for six and it's just beautiful, beautiful work. And I think then it's just as the film went on. I just think the story is the strongest of all of the stories. I think it's just this really good political thriller. Yeah. Um, I, I was going to say, actually, it combines several things that I love in films, a Star Trek film, a murder mystery, and a political thriller. Yeah, like Spock basically launches this murder investigation on the ship, you know, and you're like, oh, where's this going? And, you know, there's this big conspiracy and this big mystery of, of what's happening. And then you've got a little bit of, of what made Wrath of Khan very good. You've got this kind of space fight then at the end, you know, where, you know, the, the, the bird of prey can fire while cloaked and the Excelsior is rushing to help them. And, but before you even get to that, like it's, I, and as I grew older, I appreciated what they did at the time. Like, because it, the older you get, you, you can see clearly that the entire story is this kind of, allegory for the cold war the klingons and which is what leonard nimoy and 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 the guys who wrote it kind of wanted the, the klingons are this kind of representation of the russians praxis is basically chernobyl yeah you know there's this big uh you know the, the, the klingon moon explodes and it's their primary energy uh facility and it explodes and they're given 50 years left to live uh before all their resources are dead or you know life runs out or whatever um and they want a peace deal with the with the federation and i i can understand why gene roddenberry had such issues with it. i mean gene roddenberry died 48 hours after watching this yeah he had after a fight seeing, with the with nicholas meyer with nicholas meyer yeah yeah and he had this major fight with nicholas meyer after watching it 
where he wanted us, he wanted cuts made. And I can see his issues with it. He had a huge issue with the fact that Kirk is prejudiced against the Klingons. Yeah. Um, you know, because, and this is an issue that they had in the first couple of seasons of TNG as well, where the, the writers were, their hands were tied behind their back because Gene wouldn't allow for any uh, conflict between the characters. Yeah. You know, you could have conflict with a Klingon or you could have conflict with a Romulan, but the characters themselves are meant to be so advanced, you know, emotionally and that you, you're not meant to have any conflict with, the, they're not meant to have any conflict with each other. They're definitely not meant to be racist or prejudiced against another race. Um, so I can, I can completely understand his issue with Kirk, but they murdered his son. Yeah, I was going to say, because I know Shatner had issues as well, because there's, yeah, when he says them, let them die, he put an extra beat on it. Yeah, where he sort of, and without saying, he pulls it back. He sort of does a facial yeah. expression of like, "I've gone too far, sorry, I pull it back." And I, I, I think he had a deal. I think he made Nicholas Meyer promise that he'd keep that in, and he didn't. He, he didn't, can kind of yeah. see a hint of it. They shoot to Spock very quick, and they kind of shoot back to Shatner, and you can kind of see the end yeah. of it. Um, but like even the the scenes, I I remember just watching it the first time and just being glued to the screen, like. You know, Shatner doesn't want to basically Kirk and the crew are being tasked with going to meet the Klingon High Counselor and uh, escorting him back for peace talks. Yeah. And Shatner doesn't want to do it. Uh, I love the fact I love the tension between him and Spock in in that room where Spock says, you know, you know, uh, he vouched he vouches for Kirk and Kirk is angry that he you know, you vouched for me or you spoke for me or whatever. But he, he goes, they go and they have this kind of meeting with them and the Klingons come over and this great scene then where they meet on the Enterprise, they invite them over for, for a meal and they yeah. meet on the transporter and then they, they have this dinner and it's just, it's tense and it's, you know, they're, you can, it's, it's enemies, you know, warriors who have fought each other for generations sitting down and, and, and breaking bread together and you can see that they don't trust each other but they, you know, they're trying. To you, Chancellor Gorka, one of the architects of our future. Chancellor. Perhaps we are looking at something of that future here. Tell me, Captain Kirk, would you be willing to give up Starfleet? <coughs> I believe the captain feels that Starfleet's mission has always been one of peace. Far be it for me to dispute my first officer. But Starfleet has always been in the Captain, there's no need to mince words. In space, all warriors are cold warriors. Uh, General, are you fond of Shakespeare? We do believe all planets have a sovereign claim to inalienable human rights. Inalien, if you could only hear yourselves, human rights. Why, the very name is racist. The Federation is no more than a homo sapiens only club. Uh, present company accepted, of course. In any case, we know where this is leading. The annihilation of our culture. That's not true. No. No. To be or not to be. That is the question which preoccupies our people, Captain Kirk. We need breathing room. Earth, Hitler, 1938. I beg your pardon. Well, 
I see we have a long way to go. Like uh, I think it's um, David Warner's uh, Gorkon character, the High Chancellor, who who kind of makes a comment somewhere along the lines of, you know, if the peace talks are to succeed, it's going to be our generation who struggles the most with yeah. it. You know, um, it's just. I think the writing is out of all the films. I think it's top notch here. Yeah, oh, it's superb. The way they weave in Shakespeare as well. I know it. It it yeah. could it can be very heavy handed, but they do it really nicely in this film. I thought. And it gives them the classic throwaway sort of, you know, you've not experienced Shakespeare until you've heard it in the original Klingon. The original Klingon. And obviously, like you have Christopher, like the casting, another thing. I think David Warner is a bit uh, lazy casting, even though he's great in the role as Gork on the High Chancellor. Yeah, just, he was in five. In it, yeah, he'd just he, been he in was, one. And I love David Warner. I loved him from, you know, he played, he was in a, a, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie, the movie, the live action, I think the secret, the second one, whatever it was called, Secret of Views. Secret or, News, was that, yeah. or was that the Power Rangers? No, uh, that the, was the second Turtles. Secret that was the Views, second yeah. Turtles. And, you know, he, he's in loads of stuff that I love. Um, and he was great as Gorkan, but he was just, he was, he was a fairly central character in the previous film as a human character. And you can completely tell it's the same guy. Yeah. Um, so I just think that's a bit lazy, as well as I, I don't like the casting of, um, Kim Cattrall. I, no. I don't think she's great. No, and I like her. I agree. I like yeah. her. I like her, the actress herself. But I, oh, I do very much. <laughs> she, 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 she doesn't come across as a as a as it, a. It's just a thankless part for it. it. Could have done with being somebody we'd met before. Yeah, and that was the original. That was the original. Um, that was the original uh, object uh, objective of the of the story. Originally, it was meant to be Savak. Yeah. Uh, from from uh, Star Trek Two and Star Trek Three, they Kirstie Alley. They wanted Kirstie Alley to come back, which I think would have been weird after they recast her in the third film. The three, yeah. Uh, but she couldn't come back because she was working on Cheers, and then they never. I can't think of the name of the second actress. I think it was Robin something. Uh, they they never approached her to come back for some reason, and I know that Jean and uh, Nicholas Meyer had an argument over the use of Savak in the in the film as well. Um, I'm not I, I can't remember the context of that, but I, I remember there was an issue. I remember that reading somewhere, hearing somewhere that at one point Nicholas Meyer turned to Gene Roddenberry and he was like, "Well, Savak is my character. He's not Gene's character. Uh, so if he doesn't want to use her, if he if he has an issue with her, maybe he should give back all the money that that character has made from in the last two films or something like that." And re- remarks then that obviously Nicholas Meyer. Um, regretted afterwards yeah. after Gene had died and didn't realize how sick he was at the time and stuff. Um, but I, I just think she just doesn't seem like a Vulcan to me. She seems like a, a human acting as if she's a Vulcan, you yeah. know? Um, but Christopher Plummer is superb. Yeah. And like you were saying there about the Shakespeare and stuff, having Christopher Plummer, uh, like he, he's a, you know, a Shakespearean trained theater actor like you know when he read when he said when he reads those lines and you can tell that he had a lot of fun with it yeah you can tell that he was like he's ham- he hams it up but he hams it up in a great way and you know with a different actor playing a klingon who knew no shakespeare it could have come across really stupid and it doesn't it's so good i think it's so good yeah no i, I completely agree I'm, i think it's on the dvd or the blu-ray um that Christopher Plummer said he enjoyed it so much he wanted to work with Nicholas Meyer again, but obviously yeah. sadly never got the chance. But yeah, yeah. But they had so much fun uh, doing it. And he looks and great I, as well. He looks great. And I think that was an issue that he had. I remember reading somewhere that he'd had an issue 
he, he originally he turned down the part because he did not want a situation where he had to sit in a chair for four hours every day getting done with makeup for yeah. for for a role. And they they kind of came to him with this deal that they would use lesser makeup on him, which you can see his like his yeah. forehead ridges aren't as as prominent and his but he works. It works perfectly. General Chang, he's a great character. Yeah, because I always thought David Warner looked a little bit weird as a Klingon. Yeah, sort of just not him personally, but just sort of the makeup they put on him looks a bit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Um, but it's yeah, it's it's so good, and like you're you're watching it and you're wondering where this is going. There's a great scene where after the meal, like this tense meal finishes, and then they 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 beam the the Klingons back to the bird of prey, and the crew just their their soldiers slouch in the transporter room and they you know they unbutton their their uniforms and stuff and you can just see their the kind of the tension kind of slipping away from yeah. them of the the pretense um it's it's i i just think the writing is 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 so good you know and I, like little things like i personally like the fact that kirk has grown resentful and hateful towards the klingons he's been fighting them for 30 years you yeah, know. you naturally would, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. Like they're not. It's only a couple of hundred years in the future. You're not talking five thousand years in the future. Yeah. It's a couple of hundred years in the future. Uh, it, you know, like like the, that line he says where he's arguing with Spock, and Spock is like, you know, Kirk is like, oh, you know, they're animals. They can't. Don't trust them. You know, don't trust them. And and Spock turns around and he, he's like, they're dying. And and Kirk shouts, let them die. Like that line we were talking about earlier on. It's so powerful. And I love his delivery of that line. Because it's not, it's, it's, it's sort so of good. whispered at the same time. There's like a real raspy venom to it. Yeah. Yeah. And and what I like about his portrayal here, and look, you can take Shatner. We've all heard the stories about the ego and... Yeah. And you know the fact that the crew hate the the rest of the cast didn't like him. He fell out with uh, he fell out with Leonard Nimoy before before Nimoy died. He fell out with um, with obviously with uh, George Takei numerous yeah. times. You now whose whose fault that is? Uh, you know a lot of that is. I think George should grow up as well. Um, but like there's a lot of issues. Chekhov, uh, um, Walter Koenig had a lot of issues. And I I met Walter Koenig a couple of years ago. I actually got Walter Koenig to sign an original uh, Star Trek six poster for me nice. that again, I have in storage and I'm going to hopefully bring in the new house <laughs> because I love that poster. It's the, it's not, there's two posters for this movie. There's the one where the enterprise is kind of speeding away and they have it's a cling on face. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's it's not the diagonal the one line one. It's the diagonal it. line yeah. one. I love that poster and I got Walter to sign it, but like he was, he was honest enough and like he just said he was a dick. <laughs> you know, he yeah, was just very I mean, hard to work with. I, I can imagine yeah, Shatner. Like, like, there's a lot of people. This is why I tend not to be that interested in digging into. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing more heartbreaking than having followed Dean Kane on Twitter. Oh, I know, <laughs> I know, I know. And like I've met Dean a few times, and he's an absolute gentleman in person. But yeah, like it gets to yeah. the point where you have to be like, right, shut up now. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> the, where where Shatner's ego is on full display in Star Trek Five. Uh, he's the director of that movie. He wanted to direct it after Nimoy had gotten a shot with um, with three to direct because Nimoy basically blackmailed the studio that he'd only come back after Spock had been killed in two if he was to direct it. So he kind of held a gun to their heads and they allowed him to direct it. And he didn't do a fantastic job of it. And then Shatner, because Nimoy had directed, he wanted to direct as well. Yeah. Um, I think, did Nimoy direct four too? I think he did, yeah. He did. He did a much better job with four than he did with three. And then Shatner wanted to go and like that opening scene of five where he's he's, like 
you know, 20 pounds overweight and he's climbing the mountain single-handedly like Tom Cruise and Mission Impossible too, you know. But See, there's no five's the one I remember the most because I think that's the one that I was always on TV or that yeah. my dad seemed to come back with because growing up, it was whatever Star Trek film my dad picked up. Weirdly, it was never one or two. Yeah. It was always like three, four or five. He'd always come back with one of those as a rule. Yeah, and, um, yeah. I think five was the one we saw the most. I think because it's... Although it's quite heavy as a kid, you remember the funnier stuff. So like Scotty walking into the beam after saying he knows the shit by the work of his hand or that mountain climbing yeah. scene or them sitting around the camp. I love that scene of them sitting around the campfire. There um, are things, to, there are very good scenes in that movie. There, there are things that I enjoy. And I, 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 I do think like I said, I think it's hated a lot more. It gets, yeah. it gets more hate than it deserves. And that's, yeah, definitely. Whole, you know, it's, um, I think cause three and particularly four are sort of held as in such high regard. Yeah, um, which I really yeah. enjoyed four as well. Um, yeah, four four is a lot of fun. Four is just a lot of fun. Um, four is a great one if you wanted to just. The only thing about four is you know there's no there's no enterprise in it. No, um, that's the only thing about four. Like it, it would be a great movie to to show to someone who wants to see what a Star Trek movie was like. But the only thing is there's, there's no enterprise in it because you know, yeah. obviously it's destroyed. And that, yeah, they're on know, the Klingon bird of prey, aren't they? It's... Yeah, they're on for the whole thing until the until the very end. Um, but there's no ego from Shatner in this movie, I don't no. think. I think everybody knows this is this is it. This is the last. This is their swan song, and it, the material is taken so seriously. Um, yeah, I, I I just think it's I think it's I, I think it's just a really interesting, entertaining, good good flick. And like as as it goes on, like you you get to the point where the the mystery or the conspiracy is kind of. Uh, takes effect, it takes effect, and you know the, the the whole story is that the Enterprise fires on the bird of prey, and then these guys from the Enterprise board the bird of prey and murder the the, the High Chancellor, um, and you don't know what's after happening. You know, like the the the, the it, it's a solid mystery. You know, the the, the the data banks show that they have fired, but yes, you know, a visual um, inspection of the torpedo shows that they're fully accounted for so they haven't fired anything yeah and spock spock launches the investigation on the ship and we have the searches of the ship and uh, looking for the boots and you can kind of see him doing his sherlock holmes type you know you know whatever you know once we were let the impossible only the you know the, the no matter how improbable it must be the answer or whatever and you know, i just i just love it i yeah. think it's great kirk you know you have to stand down kirk immediately surrenders which is a very risky move the the chan could have just blown him out of the sky and him and bones trans uh, transport over and bones does his his best this is this is a scene where i think it really shows um deforest kelly's age as well is that there's a scene where he he they're basically doing um like CPR on on Chang and the bones gets up and he's hitting him on the chest and you know he I just I always think he looks like he's eighty five years of age when he's hitting him on the on yeah the chest. there's there's a couple of bits with the forest killer where it's like how can we sort of get him out of this because he can't he won't be able to so like when you've got the two sh- the two Kirks it's like there's no reason to lean in towards the shapeshifter to get a no. closer look it's just yeah. they needed a reason to take him out so he wasn't in the fight yeah this is it like Kirk's fighting a fake Kirk you can. Um, yeah, because he'd get involved. But age-wise, I don't know how old they all were, but like he, like uh, he was DeForest definitely one of the older ones. He is definitely one of the yeah. oldest ones, and I'd say by a significant enough margin as well. 
Um, but like, it, I just like the I like the whole question of the the film. You know, what happens to warriors when the war ends? And yeah. it kind of comes back in that Star Trek Beyond movie as well. When that um, Idris Elba character, you know, he yeah. he struggles when when the Federation goes from being a military organization into this uh, exploring. Um, entity and he has to sit down and, and break bread with these people who he was fighting with and he struggles with that and I think it's I, I just think it's a really interesting question you know yeah um, what happens when 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 the world changes and you're the dinosaur and the younger generations are moving on and within you know a couple of decades you've got to have Klingons on Federation ships and all that kind of stuff and how do you how do you how do you get past that um, I, I just think it's of all the Star Trek films I think it asks so asks some of the most interesting questions. Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely my favorite of the original Crew Six. Oh, is it? Um, yeah. Um, oh, brilliant! I've always loved First Contact. Ironically, the only one of the Next Generation ones I didn't see at the cinema. Um, but yeah, First Contact, First Contact. Been my, was my favorite for a long time. But it it swings between those two depending on my mood. But yeah. like I said, I love this one because I love the murder mystery. I just love smart people smartly figuring things out which is what star trek should always be yeah the best star trek is is that it's 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 intellect over that that was an issue i had with the tng movies is that uh, uh patrick stewart kind of got a little bit like that he got a little bit of ego and he he kind of wanted to be john mclean on the enterprise yeah in, in first contact and first contact is a great movie don't get me wrong but it, it it's a it's a stone cold action movie you yeah. know it's that's what it is it's a, it's kind of a action almost action horror movie it's probably why um, i enjoyed it more growing up because sort of it yeah. came out when i was 15 16 so sort of peak action movie fan kind of age yeah so yeah. and like say this one i would yeah I put it again. It's it's like the Jack Ryan films. I like the Jack Ryan films where he's a smart guy figuring shit out. I don't like the ones yeah. where they try to make him Jason Bourne. Yeah, it's like yeah. that's not Jack Ryan. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, yeah, I, I I totally get that. I, I completely agree with you. And uh, like, but saying that again, the other side of it is, even though it's a very smart mo- movie and they're all very very smart characters, there's things that don't make sense, like the fact that. I remember watching it last night and I was thinking when, when, when Bones is trying to save the uh, Gork and the High Chancellor from the, after he's been assassinated and he's like, I don't even know that he's anatomy. Yeah. And it's I was that, like, um, I was like, how the hell does the, does it, does the chief medical officer on the Federation flagship not know the anatomy of their number one adversary? That's it. It's that, um, I watched the Oliver Harper retrospective on YouTube again. Oh yeah. Today, just to, and he's got the same sort of issues as that. Um, a horror really should know Klingon. It's like you yeah, think that's again because it's their number one enemy. You think it, one of the key things she should know is Klingon. Uh, they fixed that in the 2009 film where she, she's like she she's the only one who could you know pick up not only Klingon but the different dialects of of yeah. of Klingon and stuff. Um, but I think that like that what, what upsets me about that one that was that was flagged on the set on the day. Yeah, like Nichelle Nichols. Nichelle Nichols uh, flagged it, didn't she? She flagged it. Now I, I've met Nichelle and she's she's a lovely lady. Um, and uh, I met her a couple of years ago, and I, I know she's not very well at the moment and stuff. But um, she like she flagged it. She was like, she's the communications officer again on the flagship of a Federation starship. She should know how to speak Klingon, not have to go through a a a, 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 a book or a, you know a dictionary or whatever you want. What I don't know what the word I'm looking for. What you know, yeah. um, you know. 
uh, trying to figure it out on the spot. Now I know it was done for for it was done for a laugh, that, it? But it doesn't it doesn't make sense. I don't understand. Maybe if if Nichelle had been somewhere else, and the boys were trying to figure out how yeah. to do it, and then Nichelle came on the bridge or something, and she was like, "Here, let me do it." And she does it like I could understand that. But the fact that Nicholas Meyer kind of dismissed that, I, I look, Nicholas Meyer is a fantastic director. He did great work on Wrath of Khan and this, but I, I just think that little things like that were a, um, were a, were a misstep, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, they're generally things if you're watching it as a casual fan, it doesn't really bother. I know certainly it never really bothered me the first few times watching it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sort of as you rewatch it, you start picking up on it. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> but like, even even the fact, like another thing about it is, at no point, it's it's a very talky film, but it's it's it never. I don't think it ever gets boring. Um, like every scene, like the, like even the, they they do this kind of show trial where they put Spock and um and or sorry not Spock, uh, Kirk and Bones Kirk on trial. Yeah, and even that is like I like how. Okay. Did the Red Oct- did the Hunt for Red October come before this or after this? But I, I love what they do that. Where they yeah. before this, where they kind of same thing they did in Red October, where they kind of in Red October they they I think it's Sean Connery is talking and he's talking in Russian and they kind of zoom into his mouth and then as they come out he's speaking English to show that he's speaking Russian all the time. Yeah. They they do the same thing here with Christopher Plummer, um, or a variation of that with Christopher Plummer and like little things like I love how the fact that they cast Michael Dorn as his own grandfather, yeah, as Worf's own grandfather. That's a nice touch. You know, um, even though like basically the entire trial is just Chang badgering the two witnesses, which, you know, I don't know what the rules are and, on for any court that I go to, you know, that you can't just continuously shout at the witnesses until they give you the answer that you want. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, on order. <laughs> no, no. Um, but like, I like how Chang uses Kirk's history of disobeying orders against him and how, as you know, he highlights the fact that and what, what gets Kirk in the end is the fact that he highlights that as a captain, he's fully responsible for the conduct of his crew. So if yeah. two of his crew went onto the ship and killed the high chancellor, even without his knowledge, he's responsible. And Kirk has to admit that. Yeah. You know, um, like that, that's all great. That's, you know, it's, it's just highly entertaining. You're never bored. The only time I think that it kind of slows down that little bit is it was when they actually go to, to uh, Rora Pente, the, the prison Connolly. Yeah. Uh, on the, on the ice panel. I think it kind of starts getting a little bit slow there. Um, yeah. I, I think that's the sags that Barry Norman mentioned. Um, I, again, I quite enjoy it. It's got some amusing bits in it. It's, yeah. It, it, it does. I just think that it feels like a little bit of steam is taken out of the film yeah. at that time. I know they kind of prop it up with the searches on the Enterprise and what Spock is doing and stuff. Um, but like, uh, and, and again, like, you know, they, they, they go down here and they meet this female shapeshifter who gets them, you know, just says that she's going to get them to help them escape and stuff. Um but like again, I was saying earlier on about Shatner's ego being gone. The fact, the fact that there's a scene where this supermodel who played the part at the time, you know, kisses William Shatner in the in in the bed. I was like, oh come on! I mean, that's <laughs> let's all agree. And even Bones, what I do like about those Bones even kind of highlights it and and kind of says, what is it with you? Like, what's you know? Uh, but I don't know if that was done. Yeah, I don't know if that was done to appease Shatner's ego. Going, I have to kiss the girl or something. I don't know. But, it uh, felt a little bit like you know a Kirk's greatest hits kind of you know yeah, we sent kind of highlight all the it kind of it kind of feels like uh, like those later Roger Moore James Bond movies yeah. like like a view to a kill where 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 that girl I can't think of her name the girl from the seventies show Roberts. Tanya Roberts 
or Tanya Roberts uh, is all over him and like even Roger Moore, even Roger Moore was uncomfortable with that at the time because his mother yeah. was her, her mother was younger than him at the time. Yeah, and she, uh, um, Tanya Roberts, had told her that her mom was a big fan of him. <laughs> yeah, like, like, and that's what it kind of feels like. It kind of feels like she's kissing her uncle or something. Yeah, yeah it's, it's just you know. Um, but then again, like uh, uh, I was saying earlier on, that there's two CGI effects. There's Praxis and there's the blood, but and and the blood hasn't aged as well. No, uh, the, I understand. the blood's really. Yeah, it hasn't it hasn't aged like, and I understand why they made it that kind of uh, pinkish colors because yeah, because if it had been red, it would have been a higher rating, fifteen certificate. Yeah, but I I, I completely forgot possibly, but. twelve eight. Yeah, yeah, they want yeah. to get in the younger, which which I completely understand. I just think that the CGI of it was just a little bit unnecessary. Um, but yeah, you uh, kind I, of let it slip because you like. I don't know what Klingon blood would look like in zero degrees. That's it. So <laughs> I just actually, for some reason I presume it would be green or you know I don't know. Um, but even like even in the scenes when they're working on Gorkon and it's or it's on the floor and stuff, it just looks like like some kind of candy floss liquid or something. It looks very it looks childish like, or something. Yeah, a bit like guns from a kid's show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it looks like. And I like, uh, but I do like when they're working on the High Chancellor and and he he's died and you can kind of see it bubbling up out of him, whatever way they kind of had it, you know, set up. Um, but I completely forgot about the effects for um, the shapeshifter. Yeah, the the prisoner are phenomenal they did a great job with those yeah they sort of uh, mastered what they've done in willow haven't they and yeah they're very similar to to yeah exactly i never even thought of willow i was thinking more like um uh the, the michael jackson video that black and white video or yes. like t2 yeah because t2 was the same year wasn't it yeah yeah so. so like i like that would that aged very well i thought and yeah. like they, you know they have that scene then where kirk kind of fights kirk and even that looked you know good like you know it's it's obviously just split screen or whatever yeah um but you know then it's the, like it's revealed that they they just uh, that the whole the whole escape was deployed to kill them basically to make sure that they were killed and and the enterprise comes and beams them up just in time as always <laughs> i just, love that bit i love the such whole... a great gag I love it where um, where Chekhov goes. Do you want to go back? Bo's like, no, and then Kurt's like, it's cold. Because yeah. the, the prison guard was just about to do the the, the, the classic James Bond thing of yeah. revealing everything, and they beam him up right just at the last minute, and then Kirk or Spock is perplexed as to why he's getting you know he's getting shit from Kirk after just saving his life, you know. Um, and then like you get into the the the, the reveal that the the Savic I can't even remember her name to be honest, but the the Savic style character, the the Kim Cattrall character, was, uh, Valeris, was, isn't it? Valeris, so. yeah. Yeah, 100%. I just think she was she was cast as the wrong character. I think yeah. even if they had just cast her as a human, she would have been fine. Yeah. Um, it's just she's not a Klingon. But then again, you know, I didn't think Kirsty Alley was a fantastic Klingon either. You know, I I she was okay, but um but yeah, it's it's it the reveal that she's part of the conspiracy, that she murdered the two the two assassins and that she's behind it and she's involved with Chang and certain other people in the Federation and in the in the Vulcan High Council and stuff. It's just it's and that, that final that final scene then, you know, the race to 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 get to Kittimer to to stop a second assassination on the president of the Federation and You've you've got that, that that kind of repeat of the of of um, the space battle in, in, in with with Khan and in Khan it's obviously in the nebula and they can't see anything but here the bird of prey is um, 
is cloaked and can fire and it keeps firing on them. And there's a great shot of, of a torpedo going up to the, to the uh, um, saucer section of the enterprise, which is brilliant. And Sulu then turns up and he gets involved in the Excelsior and the Excelsior looks great in this. I love that bit where it's like, you know, if we go any faster, it will tear it apart, then tear the ship apart. Sulu's great as a captain. I'd love to have seen a series with Sulu as a captain. And I love that later on that they go back to us. Did you ever see that episode of Voyager where they go back to us? I, I can't think I of the name. Think of it, I did. No, there's a, there's an episode of, of Voyager. Now, don't ask me for the, for the context of it, and I'm sure any trekkies or trekkers or anybody who's listening will be shouting at the at the Air, AirPods or their laptop, wherever they listen to it. Um, there's an episode of Voyager where Janeway and another character, maybe Tuvok, go back to that scene in. I think it's revealed that Tuvok was on the bridge at the time and Janeway goes back into Tuvok's memories or something. And she's there at the time on the Excelsior bridge when the um, Praxis explodes. And you kind of get this, like they got, they got George Takai back and they filmed extra scenes uh, of that scene. Um, and they redo the whole cup shaking and falling and cracking. And, you know, and they kind of like what they did with uh, Trouble with Tribbles. But, yeah. only, you know, this is only four or five years later. So they could get the original actors back and they got the kind of the side actors back who are like the guy who's, who's who tells them that, you know, it came from Praxis. He comes back and they, they kind of they insert the Voyager, some of the Voyager cast members into that scene. Um, and they do a great job of it. Uh, but I love that. That opening is fantastic. Sudo is amazing. I've, a lot of people don't like the Excelsior or the, the Enterprise B, but I, I, think it's, I think it looks great. No, I think it looks great. Um, I like the um, Christian Slater cameo in it as well. I like the fact he was just a fan of Star Trek and his mum was working on it and she just got in that yeah. little part. A bit like yeah. in Nemesis, you get the Brian Singer bit, which, you know, the Brian yeah. Singer. Less <laughs> yeah. said about Brian Singer now, the better. But. <laughs> the thing about Christian Slater, though, is he's he's really likable. Yeah. You know, so he's he's like, that could have been very flat. Like, that's clearly a scene that was just written for him. Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, it, it, it works. It's, it's pretty it's, much a scene that could be cut if they had to lose it. It's not. Yeah. There's nothing thing, there. So. Yeah, it's it's basically yeah, it's there's like, nothing like there. Wesley Crusher's scene in Nemesis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's just the Federation want the, the 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 Federation Council wanting to know where the Enterprise is, and even though they know Sulu telling Christian Slater tell him that we don't know where it is, and Christian Slater doesn't really understand. And I think he, did I read somewhere that he he never cashed? He got paid like seven or eight hundred dollars for that role, and he never cashed the check. He has it framed, and he's yeah, he's got it framed. Yeah, yeah. That's like that's that's the that shit stuff. I like. That's the cameo you got it. mine. When it is a no. guy who just genuinely loves the thing and he wants to be in it, not just a guy who's like, this would be good for my career. Because I mean, again, yeah. at that point, Christian Slayer didn't need it. <laughs> no, no. Um, but uh, again, just just enjoyable. Like yeah. the, the, the there's another scene then where when they, when they discover that um, Kim Cattrall, I'm just going to call her Kim Cattrall, Kim Cattrall now. When they discover that Kim Cattrall is involved in the conspiracy, which is kind of obvious, I suppose, if you're really paying attention to the fact that they have his captain's log in the trial. And we yeah, know that that never clocked with me either. I just yeah. assumed they got access to his logs kind of thing. It never it never clocked with me before, but watching it last night, yeah. I think Kirk realizes at the time yeah. that she's involved. Yeah. Because as soon as he's back on the ship, he's like, I, I need to talk to you about something. 
or I have an idea about what we should do here. He knows it's her. Yeah. And he sets her up then by, by you know, the two boys, the two assassins have been killed and he sets her up by announcing, you know, that they want staff to take, which, you know, she's, for someone who's so smart, she's very stupid, like that they announce <laughs> that they're taking two statements off them and she goes into the room thinking that she'll just be able to shoot them and, and get away with it. And obviously it's Kirk and, and, and Spock in there. Um, but there's a scene on the bridge uh, where after where they're interrogating her and she won't reveal the identities of the co-conspirators. And Spock does this kind of a forced mind meld on her. Um, and he, he kind of, he, he starts off with the one hand and then he uses the two hand on two hands on her face. And she starts screaming and it's, it's, it's dark. It's kind yeah. of like an assault. It's almost like he's hitting her or something. Um, like like an interrogation where he's where he started torturing her or that to get the information out. You know, it's it's. Uh, but again, and I, I imagine maybe that that Gene Roddenberry might have had an issue with that scene as well. Um, but I like it. I I think it's you know they have you now. To be fair, he's trying to find out where the location of the peace talks is, and as soon as they figure out that she doesn't, you know, he takes him two seconds to ask Sibu on the <laughs> on the view screen, and he knows exactly where it is. So you know, it was completely unnecessary. <laughs> which which I find a bit funny. Five seconds later, like, hey Sula, where is it? Oh, it's on Kidmer. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's. I I love the final battle. I I love the fact. The only thing is, uh, when I was watching it, uh, I I the way I remembered it was was that the Enterprise took three or four hits, and the Excelsior took three or four hits. But how how they how they find the bird of prey. Is uh, um, Spock? Is it Spock or or uh, or Ahura who come up with the idea? I think it's Ahura who comes up with the idea of basically targeting their their tailpipe essentially that that while they're on impulse power, that yeah. certain emissions they can detect using whatever equipment they happen to have on for their mission for their gaseous exploration mission or whatever. And they they pinpoint the where this gas is coming out of the ship. They lock on. They adjust the torpedo. And they fired at it, and you can see the torpedo kind of going in different directions, and you can see Chang kind of going, "Oh shit!" And he stands up into his chair and it hits him. I remember that because it was something that used to bug me was that the Enterprise gets hit three or four times, that the 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 Excelsior gets hit three or four times, but then that the Bird of Prey only gets hit once and is blown out of the sky. Like technically, and I, and I know the Enterprise and the Excelsior had shields up at the start, but the shields on the Enterprise definitely fail because that's why that one torpedo goes up through the saucer section and yeah. causes unbelievable damage. But I must have completely misremembered it because then you have this line from Sulu going, you know, target everything on that explosion and fire, and they just fucking bombard it yeah. with torpedoes. And I completely didn't remember that at all. I was like, oh, that makes more sense. They absolutely <laughs> annihilated it with torpedoes afterwards. I think because um, that initial impact is where you see Chang die. And I think, ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. Maybe that's why I associated it with. Yeah, I think just, if you then yeah. saw Chang again just before all the all of Sulu's missiles sort of hit, torpedoes hit it. Yeah, um, yeah. But I love that. I love that. and I love that it's Sulu again. Sulu is very commanding on the bridge, yeah. more so than I ever thought he would be. Like you said that line earlier on, and he was like, well, "Then tear it up," you know. And he's just like, "Fire everything on it." And and earlier on in the in the film, that fire from Kirk, you know, is equal in its epicness as the one from. Uh, from best of both worlds part one yeah. where Riker where Riker says fire on the on the 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 poor cube that 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 uh, Picard is on um but yeah it's just it's the right amount of of humor it's like that the great line when Spock is um Spock and Bones are up in the torpedo tube and they're working on the torpedo and Chang is 
blathering on about fucking, <laughs> you know, Shakespeare quotes. And out of nowhere, Spock just goes, I'd give real money if he'd shut up. I am constant as the northern star. I'd give real money if he'd shut up. Plate, please. Plate. And assimilation will consume. We've got a heartbeat. The Klingon Empire, the ecological... Key, please. Key. Where's that damn torpedo? She's ready, Jim. Lock it alone. Fire. To be or not to be. Target that explosion and fire. I just thought that was very good. You know, little things like that. It's that, and I love when Kirk saves the president. And after he tucks into goes, Kirk, Enterprise. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. It's such a Shatner thing. It is such a Shatner thing, you know, like this last minute, uh, uh, you know, he's he, like that. He saves the present. They, everybody saves the day. And it kind of reminded me, it kind of reminds me of that end of, he gives a speech, it reminds me of Rocky Four, you know, when, yeah. when when Rocky Balboa gives that speech, this brings the Russians and the Americans together forever. And then Shatner kind of does the same thing, you know. Um, but then you've got this unbelievably poignant final scene. Which, like, I'm even going to well up a little bit now talking about it. Yeah. I welled up last night. I'm like, don't fucking well up on the podcast when you're talking about <laughs> it. But they go back to the ship and they have this normal kind of, you know, that's, you know, another job well done or another successful mission or whatever. And, you know, they're like, you know, what are, what's our course, Captain, or whatever. And then Nichelle Nichols gets, the, Uhura gets the message that from Starfleet that they're to return to space dock immediately for the Enterprise to be decommissioned. And they have this look on their face. And I love the way Nicholas Moyer handled it because they're, you can see that they're all very deflated. Uh, and then Spock goes, you know, if I was human, I'd say, tell them something like, you know, go to hell. And there's this great line where Kirk and the, basically decides to take her out for one last spin yeah. around the, the galaxy or whatever. And they end with that, you know, that final line of you know um what is the second start what's the course second second start to the right and straight until morning and it's so you know just before that they they have this kind of farewell to sulu sulu gets his farewell as well and you can see them the the excelsior and the enterprise going off into the sunset the excelsior goes off to one side kirk says that beautiful line which i think is just perfect and what could be a real downer for some reason has this kind of optimistic I think it's look that, into the future. Cause it's, yeah, because it's referencing Peter Pan and the, mm. you know, they, they don't want to grow up kind of thing. You kind of yeah. get that feeling. I, that's always been my big thing with Generations is that they shouldn't have included any of those characters, particularly no. not Kirk, and they particularly shouldn't have killed Kirk off in that film. No. Um, that not was the big thing. Did. It's because that's such a beautiful sense. It's my issue with the Indiana Jones films. It's last, the Last Crusade ends beautifully. Perfectly. Anything after that is just. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm like I'm a firm believer in, in making your own canon as such. Like, yeah. In in my in my book, there's two Terminator films. You know, yeah. there's two Predator films. There's you know obviously three Back to the Future films, um, because they're perfect. Um, but like there's I just cut out cut out the the, the stuff that doesn't matter. Like you can go straight. You could go straight from. Um, Star Trek 6 to First Contact and completely yeah. skip generations if you want to know it obviously doesn't explain where the Enterprise D is gone um, but yeah I think like I know originally in generations it was meant to be Kirk, Spock and Bones 
Yeah. And and it's, uh, Leonard Nimoy was like, this is, there's no benefit to this. So he didn't do it and Bones didn't, uh, DeForest didn't do it. And yeah, because DeForest was in the pilot to Next Gen anyway, wasn't he? So he, he'd sort he of was. done his handover bit. His bit. Yeah. And again, that was a beautiful handover. I think to bring him back in as a younger Bones again would have cheapened it. And I remember being so disappointed because obviously the whole, all the posters were, and it's a beautiful poster, it was Kirk and, and Picard. And then Kirk just wasn't in it for an hour and a half. He was in at the very beginning. He's in it at the very end. And then they gave him this awful death. Like if you're going to bring Kirk back and I've like from the first moment I saw it and maybe people will disagree with me, but if you're going to bring Kirk back for generations and you're going to kill him in generations, he should have died crash the way he should have died the way that Kirk's father died in the 2009. Yeah. He should have died Saving manning, everybody. Yeah. Manning the controls of the Enterprise D, say, you know, trying to crash land it so that all the crew could get off. And the Enterprise D crashes into the ground in this huge, big blaze of glory with Kirk sitting in the captain's chair of the Enterprise D, I think would have been amazing. Yeah. Um, I don't think they ever should have killed Kirk. I think we never should have seen Kirk after second start to the right and straight on to the morning. Should have yeah. been the last thing we ever heard about Kirk. I don't think we should be killing any of these legacy characters, even now when you see things like cancel and stuff, what's the point? Like, why? Yeah, why this has always these... been my big thing because it just, let them, it, let it, us... even though it doesn't ruin what came from, because I'm a big, no, you know, the original things still exist. Nothing's yeah. ruined it, but it does sort of leave that footnote that's in the back of your mind. It's like yeah. when you watch Return of the Jedi, like, oh, this is a nice happening. Oh, that's no, all for shit though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Like, and that's why I'm terrified about Michael Keaton, the Batman turning up in anything. I'm like, yeah. you better not fucking kill Michael Keaton in the Flash or Batgirl or whatever he comes up in because I just I don't need to see it. Um no, I, I get the feeling like, they're gonna kill Ben Affleck. I think you'll be all right. <laughs> yeah. I, again, I, was I don't talking... want to see Ben Affleck's Batman die either. No, I, I, I don't it was, and, it was my big problem with Avengers Endgame, which has a thematic thing to yeah. this because of the signatures across at the end of the they very much went yeah. for the uh which is country and which credits, is which they? is beautiful here. Yeah, the credits yeah. roll, the music rolls, and then you see the cast signatures coming across to this big fanfare. It's a beautiful send off. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah I, I we 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 spoke about it recently. Um, me and and um, Zach and Matt and um, always hold on to the Flash, and we we're talking about the nineteen ninety um, John Wesley Ship Flash um, series. And even even that, like John got, they've always treated John Ship, who's, who's a lovely guy. Um, they, they've always treated him well on the CW and stuff, but even I loved that Flash show, show yeah. you know, that, yeah, I that did 1990. Well. Loved it. It was, like I said, the guys was right in my wheelhouse, came out after Tim Burton's, a year after Tim Burton's. Yeah, I remember you know, when Batman. it came on Sky One in this country. Uh, yeah. It was on our, it was the big Friday night thing and I absolutely adored it. And then they released the pilot as a movie on to rent in the video shop and... I think two was the two trickster episodes put together into a movie, and then the third right. flash movie was Deadly Nightshade, which I've yeah, still got on an X rental video somewhere in the shed. And that's that's what I that's what and believe it or not, that's what I have as well. I used to rent those three those three yeah. um VHSs, those movies, but I, I actually thought that they were just films, yeah, like TV films at the time. I didn't realize it was a whole series until much later on. Well, I didn't because um, I'd like, seen we'd rented the pilot from the video oh. shop because it had been released before it became came on as a tv series so I was like, oh cool they've made a tv series out of that flash movie we watched because as oh, a kid whether it's in the cinema it's the or straight to video you don't know yeah yeah either it's way like, kind of thing 
it's like when I was watching Superman three and Superman two, and eventually I found out that there was a Superman one, you know, I I had never seen, I, you know, that was the kind of the last one that I had seen was Superman, the movie. Um, but I was talking to the guys about, about that. Like they've always treated John with respect and his character with respect and stuff, but even just seeing him die in the, in the crisis. Yeah. I was about to say, it's not just that. It's the fact his whole world is destroyed. His whole world. Every character in that show is gone. Uh, so yeah, that's why so he's like, happy to die and it's like no, no i didn't need it I, like, I just don't i, I just was so don't hoping know. they were going to restore it at the end yeah when you see just the even, certain worlds restored because even the batman yeah, 89 one is white tech yeah. isn't it yeah and you see Routh and you see so like look there's still hope i don't see why they'd ever go back to the 90s flash now or show him back up again you know in the like the flash should have finished years ago um but yeah, I, I don't i've dropped off I, now, so. oh god i dropped off after season two to be i honest. stuck I with it for it. as long as i could but ah, it was eventually it was just torture it's like why yeah. am i doing this to myself watching this um i'm, I'm trying but, to finish the last series of supergirl in the minute and it's taken me so long yeah, yeah they, they all go the same way which is why i'm I'm still even though season one of superman and lois was so good i'm i'm still apprehensive about the way it's going to go that they're going to bring a team of younger heroes or yeah team of, you know that was the problem with arrow arrow was yeah. great and then they started building the team same with all of them that's i mean i'm still two series the two episodes from the end of series one of superman and lois so yeah yeah because i'm watching it i'm slightly ahead because this was the great thing about watching star trek six last night is it was like my old school saturday night instead of lois and yeah. clark it was superman and lois and then i watched the star trek movie yeah i i actually i actually i couldn't because like again everything i have is in storage at the minute so all my blu-rays and stuff i have it on blu-ray but i ended up just renting it from um youtube it's like yeah. two quid to rent it from youtube um and it's great the quality was great you know it was hd and everything was superb you know perfect perfect way of watching it um but like that i sat down there last night and my wife was busy with something else and like that i just got a drink and sat down on the couch and put it on turned off all the lights and that opening scene opened up and the music and everything i was like oh this is brilliant but just to get back to the original point though yeah if if that had been the last time we'd ever seen kirk it would have been pitch perfect well, yeah, because they literally ride off into the sunset. I mean, it's not they a sunset in, but... <laughs> yeah, they literally ride off into the sunset. What were they thinking bringing them back for, for the next... And it's got that gorgeous thing where they redo the thing. So instead of where no man, he changes it to where no one. So it fits in with yeah. the next generation and sort of, you know, the and, new and thinking I, of Star What I Trek. really like, what I re- yeah, and that's, that's the point I was going to make. What I really like about it is, is that it doesn't end on that down note. It ends with that optimism of we're handing it over now. We're handing yeah. it over for the fans and we're handing it over to the new crew. And we're, you know, it's, you know, let's see where this goes. It's let's well, give it a chance. He delivers that line about, you know, a new crew will be taken over and that sort yeah. of thing. And you know, he's not talking about Picard and that because there's several generations between. Between them. Yeah. But in your head, that's how it re- always read to me. I know logically yeah. within the story it's not, but in my head that was Shatner passing the bat on to Picard. And yeah, there's always that fan thinking like, wouldn't it be cool to see Picard and Shatner, uh, Picard and Kirk together and something? And it's like it would, but be careful what you wish for because when you get yeah. it, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And look, there's there's aspects of that generations opening and stuff that I like. I like the Enterprise B. I like um, Alan Rook as the captain, even though he's completely inept as the captain. He, he, yeah, he panics see, and he freaks out. Again, at that time, it was peak um, Spin City, the Michael yeah. J. Fox sitcom, and I loved him in that. 
I loved like, him in that. This, that this is weird. And, it, you know, he's also the guy from the bus on speed. <laughs> Not on speed, and, but in speed. And, and Ferris Bueller. He's Ferris yeah. Bueller's best friend, you know. And, uh, like, Ferris Bueller's weird 30-year-old best friend. <laughs> and I know people take issue with that scene because they're like, God, the captain of the Enterprise surely wouldn't be this incompetent. But it's his first day yeah. on the flagship of the Federation, the launch of the flagship. There hasn't been an Enterprise in God knows how long. Five, well, probably only five or six years. The, the legendary legendary captain of that ship is sitting over your shoulder watching you see how you handle this you know the media are all present who wouldn't fucking yeah. shit their togs <laughs> you know um and i'd love to i'd love to see like I, I i'm fascinated with like what happened to the enterprise b what missions does that go on and the enterprise c as well before yeah um the events of yesterday's enterprise and stuff and, and tng like uh, I, I agree that you don't always have to keep going back to things, but if I had been launching a, a, a Star Trek show a couple of years ago, like Discovery, I would have gone back to something like that, to like the Enterprise B the day after Kirk was killed. Yeah. And see how that affects the crew. And, you know, you recast, obviously, everybody. It's, it's 30 years later. You know, you'd have, you'd have to recast everybody. Yeah, recast I think they made a couple it. of fan films, didn't they, with Alan Ruck? Yeah, yeah. As I'm that not a, captain of the Enterprise. I'm not, I'm not a huge never, fan film guy, them. but... Um, yeah, and just the Excelsior and going back, I'd I love that model work again. Yeah, I'd love that. Um, but- that was kind of the thing with the ending for me because obviously you don't get Sulu in that final shot because he's gone off with anything. That sort of felt like they were going to do something with Sulu, and that's why he didn't get that, yeah, chance to be in been, that money shot, which would have been great. You know, Almost been great. generations, it might have been interesting if it opened with Sulu on the Excelsior instead, and that's what the Nexus ripped through. Yeah, or like if, of bringing if, Sulu, in Kirk. if Sulu had been the captain of the Enterprise B. Yeah, you know, and Kirk had been killed on its on its inaugural mission, you know, and you know how does how does Sulu live with that? You know, how many how many missions did Kirk get him through, and he's the captain of the Enterprise B for twenty five minutes, and Kirk gets killed. You know? Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's 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 a pity. It's a pity that they went back when they had perfected it so beautifully at the end of this film. That's it. They I went mean, back, and, and in my and mind, they're still. It riding off in the Enterprise they've nicked it and <laughs> they're gone <laughs> nobody can be bothered to go after them because they're like we were going to decommission it anyway they burnt it let them have it <laughs> yeah they, yeah that's yeah that'd be great but um, yeah look I, I think look I think overall I think uh, Star Trek 2 The Wrath of Khan will always be the majority of people's favourite I think Star Trek 6 is normally their close second um, but I, I think that this is this is definitely worth checking out. I think Yeah, I think uh, one of the things I like about six as well is it feels like an episode of the TV series. And I mean that does. in a positive way, not in a well, it's just an overlong episode of the TV series. Yeah. Anyway, it's not that dismissive sort of approach. It's got that nice feel. And I think because they used a lot of next gen sets that weren't being used at the time. Yeah, like you can totally tell that that uh, dinner is taking place in the ready room, or not the ready room, but in the conference room of, yeah. of the Enterprise D. They've just redressed it with. Yeah, they just haven't got those and... nasty nineties, late eighties, yeah. early nineties leather seats. <laughs> That's the thing that really dates next gen for me. Like, yeah. It's all really cool, but then they've got those like faux leather seats, and it's like, yeah, like, and then the, like the, the, the car- slightly wealthy uncle would have in his. Uh, Study. But even even <laughs> even like the carpets and stuff, like the carpets, yeah. it it does feel like I remember someone saying or reading somewhere before, maybe on a behind the scenes that it it it, it kind of looked like the lobby of a you know a Radisson or something, a hotel. Um, 
but yeah, look, it's it's uh, Star Trek Six. I look, it's definitely. I I watched it last night again. It's still right up there at the top. I yeah. think it's just from the like I said at the beginning, from the moment the credits roll until the moment you see Shatner's signature at the end of the film. I think it just entertains throughout. A little bit of a lull, I think, in the prison scenes, but besides that, and unlike Star Trek Two, you can watch Star Trek Two without ever seeing the original series. Um, but there is kind of you feel like you've missed something because yeah. there's you know there's references to Botany Bay and you see Chekhov freaking out when he sees it and stuff. Um, you know you can come into this blind. You could have never seen any Star Trek at all. N- you know none of the previous films, none of the TV shows. You could literally just sit down, push play, and you'll get exactly what's going on here. I think. Yeah, yeah, because this was the first one I was aware of coming out. All the other Star Trek films, you know, as a kid, just, yeah. they were always just seemed to be there. Unless yeah, it is gen- like a Masters of Universe or something that was in your zeitgeist as a kid. Yeah, just- gener- generations was definitely the first one where I was like, I, I, I there was, I remember seeing promos on TV for. Yeah, I remember that one coming out at the cinema. Like I say, I went to watch that one at the cinema. Um, but because um, this one, I remember seeing a trailer on a video we'd rented, and it was either the trailer or a clip I saw, but they'd edited it so it looked like Kirk died. Because oh, right. I think it was like something getting shot at him and then him beaming up, but the way it was cut, it looked like he'd been disintegrated. Right, okay. And um, so I didn't watch it for a long time because I thought they'd killed Kirk, <laughs> not realising <laughs> they were saving that for generations. For the, for the next one. But um, yeah, so I didn't watch it for a long time. And then I think my dad finally rented it. Like I say, it was a watch Lois and Clark, an old house party, and then into... yeah. Yeah. watching the Saturday Night oh, movie that was rented. Jesus Christ. Yeah, no. <laughs> you're, 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 you're aging us now. Noah's house party. <laughs> well, that was the weird thing last night. Like I say, it was Superman and Lois instead of Lois and Clark. And then my family like Ant and Deck. I'm not fussed, so I sit there drawing while they oh, do that. Yeah. And, uh, but that's pretty much an old house party for this generation. And then I watched the movie, so it was like an old school Saturday night. Jesus, yeah. God. <laughs> uh, yeah so that's that's star trek six i yeah i recommend people check it out like that if you don't have it on blu-ray you have two quid you can get it on youtube um it's highly underrated even if you're not a star trek fan i think i think this would really suit you yeah definitely and yeah like you, know, you say it's, it's just a beautiful send-off yeah yeah political thriller murder mystery hunt for red october in space i just think it's great yeah time is of the essence out of the way! Out of the way! Out of the way! Mr. President! 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 Kirk, Enterprise. Arrest those men! Arrest yourself! We've got a full confession. Just a minute. What's happened? What's the meaning of all of this? It's about the future, Madam Chancellor. Some people think the future means the end of history. Well, we haven't run out of history quite yet. Your father called the future the undiscovered country. People can be very frightened of change. 
You've restored my father's faith. And you've restored my sons. I like to end these with new guests with the uh, Bernard Pivo questions that were made famous by Inside the Actors Studio. So if you fancy doing 10 quickfire questions. Ah, sure. Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I just, I, I, I'm not going to be put on the spot. So That's bear with me. But yeah, 100%. Cracking. All right. Then. So question one, what's your favorite word? Favorite word? God. Uh, I've always liked the sound of the word serendipitous. Nice. Uh, I always liked I always liked the sound of 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 that, even though I don't really necessarily uh, agree with fate and stuff. Um, I know uh, Serendipity is one of my wife's favorite movies, and I kind of use that as a template in, when I was proposing to her there back uh, a couple eight years ago. But yeah, Serendipitous. I always I always liked the, the sound of that word. Yeah. Uh, what's your least favorite word? Can you swear in this? Yeah, I've probably sworn already. I never like the word pussy. <laughs> yeah. I always, I just, I don't know what it is about me. I don't know. Is that too? Is that too? <laughs> no, I know what you mean. It's. Yeah. Um, it's, it's at just, the risk of sounding vulgar, it's one of those squelchy words like lush or. Yeah. Moist, yeah. It's, that sort of thing. Yeah, it's one of those. Yeah. And I don't mean, just, I mean, it's, it's not when it comes to. Connotation is the way it sounds. <laughs> even if you're talking about cats and stuff, I yeah. just never liked that word. And I, I just, it just, no. All right, and uh, what turns you on, either creatively or in life? Or... Um, I've always been, I've always been a sucker for just encouragement. Just like when it comes to like even the podcasts and stuff, it it means so much to me when someone sends us a message or a DM and often says, you know, I really enjoyed that. I spent my commute to work listening to that, or even at work, like I, I'm a detective at work yeah. and dealing with people and, and getting like, uh, not that I need thank you cards or anything, but just someone saying, you know what, that was, we were having a shit time or we're having a shit day or a shit year. And you did something that you didn't have to do, or you went a little bit for that, that always, you know, for for every one hundred bad things that are said to me, one one little bit of encouragement uh, always sparks me to to keep plowing through. You know, so yeah. It's, yeah, encouragement is 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 always keeps me going. Nice. Uh, what turns you off? In general, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I tell you, uh, well, I I don't know if it turns me off as such, but I tell you what, I hate. I hate two things. I hate. Uh, I hate drunk people yeah and i think that's from being uh, when i was in college i worked in bars kind of from when i was a kid and um i just dealing with kind of intoxicated people and then becoming a a, a cop here a guard here over in ireland and dealing with drunk people every night for 15 years <laughs> and one the, the one thing i hate more than anything in the world and i only i was only doing it today and that's why it, it sprung to mind i hate trying on clothes and fitting rooms yeah <laughs> there's nothing there's nothing worse than trying on clothes and fitting rooms i hate it with, <laughs> with the exception of my wedding suit and having to get a suit for somebody else's wedding i've not done it as an adult i've always just bought things and brought them uh, home. <laughs> i used to do it when i was single i used to do that all the time and nothing ever fit me right and my wife was like you like, like most women do when they when they kind of get comfortable with you she started changing me and uh <laughs> like like these I, those jeans i i i 
I was one of those kind of kids who whatever was in fashion when I was 20, I was still wearing at 32 years of age, you know, that kind of, so like the jeans that came down over kind of behind my um, heels and you'd walk on them and they'd be soaking wet and all that kind of stuff. So my, my wife has definitely updated me and, and that, but uh, no, unfortunately it's a, it's a, it's an evil necessity, but God, I hate, I hate it. I hate everything about it. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a clothesy person at all. So I tend to just pick mine up from the supermarket if I need jeans or <laughs> t-shirts I tend to order online or something. But and anytime I'm I, very I, much I, like a, like, you know, Poor man's Jack Reacher in that sense. And I'm just like that and that. That'll do. <laughs> and anytime I, I tend to spend kind of decent money on clothes, I ruined them straight. I bought this yeah. really nice shirt just before Christmas and I wore it once and then I fucked it in the dryer by accident and destroyed it. And I'm like, fucking hell, I'd rather destroy a 20 quid shirt by accident than a fucking, you know, 95 quid shirt or whatever <laughs> it was. But uh, yeah, no, uh, I, I, really have a, I really have a disdain for like, uh, I don't mind drunk people when I'm drunk. Uh, which is rare enough now, to be honest. I'm not a big drinker, but uh, I, I I hate being the sober person dealing with someone who's absolutely, you know, smashed. And I hate yeah. trying on clothes in, in fitting rooms. Those are two things that I despise. Yeah, I, can, I can relate to both. Uh, <laughs> uh, what sound or noise do you love? Uh, my daughter's laughter. My daughter laughing. My, my wife and I struggled for years to have our, our daughter. We, we had to go through IVF for years. And uh, just now that there's a person that exists uh, that didn't exist a couple of years ago that yeah. we've made someone and, you know, the, and thank God all the doctors and the IVF specialists and everyone who helped us out. But uh, hearing my hearing my daughter laugh uncontrollably <laughs> is uh, is 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 the sound of heaven now, to be honest. Yeah, uh, I again, I can relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what sound or noise do you hate? Oh, uh, bones breaking. Uh, even I had to walk out. And again, like I have a job where I, I deal with people who often are injured and stuff. But uh, I, I actually had to walk out of um, my wife dragged me to see. But did you ever see, hear that film Black Swan, Mila Kunis? And um, I'm not because. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's Mila Kunis and Natalie Portman. I remember my wife brought me to see it in the cinema. And there's the scene. I, I don't even remember what the scene is, but either she's breaking her fingers or she's growing wings or something but there's definitely like an unbelievable amount of bone cracking and breaking and i actually had to get up out of my seat and leave the cinema and get some fresh air i it it, it just oh whatever it is about that noise i just cannot stand it i I would strongly recommend avoiding the film 127 hours (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I haven't. I seen was that physically one. sick during that bit. I had to go, <laughs> um, and that was watching it at home, not even with the cinema noise of it. I can imagine a cinema <laughs> amplifying bones breaking. Um, yeah, no, I, I really struggled with that. I really, really, I, I really struggled with it. Um, but it's it's always been something. And what's really bad, what's really weird about it is, I'm a little bit. I don't smoke. I don't really drink. Um, but one of my voices, my vices that my wife hates <clears throat> and even friends of mine hate is uh, I do have a uh, propensity to crack my knuckles when yeah. I'm stressed, which considering the fact that I hate the sounds of bones cracking doesn't make any sense at all. But, no, it's, uh, yeah. it's a weird, satisfying popping noise, though, isn't it? Rather than a... <laughs> <laughs> it's an odd one. Um, all right, then uh, the big one. What's your favorite curse word? Oh, it's, it has to be. It has to be the classic. It just has to be fuck. I, I the only the, my only issue with it is that I say it 
too often yeah. I say it I'm one of those guys who uh, kind of loses the run of himself and I'm like oh I tell you what fucking happened the other day this kind of you know I don't I don't use it with the power that it deserves to be used um, but yeah it has to be it has to be surely that has to be everybody's one is it what's your favorite curse word uh, I do like fuck um, I've always had a soft spot for horse shit well, horseshit is good. Horseshit is good. Uh, no, although I, just... I, I kind of feel you have to deliver that in an accent of some kind. Sort of my yeah, my own accent feels a little bit. You kind of need say... to be like American or Irish or. <laughs> I don't say asshole or anything. I say prick a good bit. Like if I don't like someone, I say he's such a fucking prick. Yeah, that's 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 another favorite of mine. But yeah. no, it has to be. It has to be. It has to be the the the. the it has to be fuck. The softer side, I like knobhead. Knobhead's a good one. Knobhead. That's a real British thing, I think. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> um, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Oh, if I won the lottery tomorrow, um, I would love to own my own comic book shop. Kind of a uh, a comic book slash coffee shop yeah. setup kind of thing. Maybe somewhere like Dublin or that in a nice, nice area. Something and I, I always thought of this name years ago, and I, I think someone has used it since. But if I if I own my own comic book shop, I'd call it "We've Got Issues." Nice. Um, but yeah, I'd like to. I, I don't think I'd ever leave my job. I I love my job. Um, I don't think I'd ever leave my job to kind of venture out and do that. But if I if I kind of um, it needs to be a money's no object kind of thing, doesn't it? It has to be a money's no object kind of thing because I don't even know how much money you'd make out of it to be honest. But and and I know a good few of the 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 lads who who run them here in Dublin and stuff and like they're not swimming in it by by any shape no. but they love that they love what they do they love dealing with with fans but then again I wonder would I really love it because I don't know you know you go sometimes you go to comic cons and stuff or you, you go into comic book stores and you see that or you end up having in, in one of those interactions with one of those really stereotypical like comic book nerd guys uh, who's like, well, actually, you know, like, like, like comic book guy from the Simpsons, yeah. you know, that kind of, well, actually in, you know, issue four of, you know, Superman number, you know, uh, I don't know if I could deal with that every day of the week. Like <laughs> so these guys have some serious, I was in uh, one of my favorite comic book shops there a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I was in, I was actually, my daughter loves masters of the universe, the, the eighties cartoon. And now the, the new CGI one, not the Kevin Smith one, the, the yeah. kids one that came out recently. And um, I, I pick her up. Um, the origins line figures so she has the castle gray skull and she has all the, the kind of the little the, the i think i saw a photo of having that on her birthday but on Facebook. yeah she's <laughs> she's huge into it she loves it and like i haven't forced it on her in any way shape or form i just put it on her one put it on one day and she loves it but i was in uh i said i was passing the the, the store and i said i'd go in and see if they had one and I walked in and there was this guy having some kind of a debate with, with the with the guy behind the counter about God knows what. And the guy behind the counter, you could just tell didn't <laughs> he just had enough. <laughs> he just wanted the he just wanted the conversation to end. So I don't know if I'd have the patience for it, but ideally, yeah, I'd like to do some kind of comic book shop, store, coffee house type situation. Yeah, no, I'm I'm the same. I looked into that and then I just like I say, unless it's a money's no object thing, I just don't think it's worth the hassle. <laughs> I don't think yeah, yeah, and it would be it would be a lot of hassle unless it was like this little side passion project yeah. thing that if it went under, you didn't really give a shit. Um, but I'd love to something like that. Uh, to be honest, I always wanted to be a I always wanted to be a cop, and um, my wife's a cop, and it's this whole big thing with us now. <laughs> but um, no, I, I I love what I do. Yeah, that's good. Thankfully, um, because that's the one thing my grandfather taught me years ago, that the worst thing in the world is to get up every day and go to a job you hate, you know? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it took me a little while to find mine, but I'm happy in mine now. 
Not so much as it's a career. I just like it as a job. Oh, what 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 is it you do now? I'm a postie. So oh, very good. It's not a glamorous or exciting job, but it's it's nice. I get to go out. I get to doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Uh, I get my to meet people. I get to, my big thing is always I'd like to be in part of a community. Yeah. Um, yeah. I yeah. used to work in HMV before that, and I loved working oh, in HMV. Yeah. But as time passes, people move away, or yeah. you know, sadly, customers sort of died, and yeah, sort of towards the end, I was like, I don't look forward to anybody coming in anymore. Really, there's a couple of people, yeah. but for the most part, that sort of community like that, thing had gone. When you're in your twenties and stuff, and you're in a store like that, like I used to work in a video shop in yeah. um, kind of a, a mom and pop kind of video shop called uh, Premier Movies in my hometown in Tremor years ago, and uh, back I'd say 2002, 2003, and uh, like that, people coming in, and you know, you 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 had your little group of people that you knew and you got on with, and you knew what they liked and all that kind of stuff. And <clears throat> I took a year out before I went to college. And all my mates went off to college then. And then I was like, oh, God, like when everybody was gone, it was kind of a Jesus, this is me for 25 years. It's it's because I was very optimistic. I thought video shops would survive for another 25 years. But I was like, no, maybe I I think I'll I'll go. I'll I'll, I'll get out of this soon enough because I could see it kind of turning and me kind of being left behind and stuff. But I loved that job. I loved just being at the counter and talking to people about movies and discovering new movies. That's where I discovered like Kevin Smith's Clerks for the first time, which was so, you know, uh, uh, kind of a it was so weird being a working in a video shop and discovering Clerks and you know everything that's associated with that and like horror movies at the time and just I loved it. I loved that job. I said, I mean, comics and movies have always been my two big things. Again, when I was at school, my dream was to leave school and open a video shop. Yeah, with with a sexy and red it, counter like the table in Dick Tracy. Oh, very good, very good. I that, love that Dick Tracy. My, that was my dream for it. But sort of by the time I'd left school and was getting older, video shots were slowly waning. It was the blockbusters were taking over, and then obviously yeah. they didn't last either. And like I, I think it was the dream of a lot of people like us. A lot of that that kind of nerd culture from kind of the late nineties, early two thousands. It was. It was the slacker stuff. dream, wasn't it? It was. It was the slacker <laughs> dream. Was to own your own video store, watch movies, talk about movies. You know. Uh, yeah, I, I loved it. Premier movies, uh, miss your rest in peace, but uh, yeah. it was a great little shop. I, I still miss video shops. Like I say, the, the thrill of your dad going to the video shop and you didn't know what he was going to come back with, but it was <clears> infinite <throat> possibilities. I, remember, I discovered like, Star Trek The Next Generation because of a video shop because they released I, the videos and I was like, what the fuck is this Star Trek knockoff shit? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that guy no, I, Kirk. <laughs> I watched it live at the time. I remember watching it live. I remember my, my we lived in this little mobile home my, as my the house, my parents' house was being built. And I remember watching it on this little shitty uh, 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 portable television in this mobile home uh, and just being blown away by it and going outside afterwards and looking up at the sky and seeing the stars in the sky. And going, wow, it's, a, you know. Um, but yeah, no, it's, 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 uh, it's 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 i think it's always been the dream of mine to 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 work in a place like that or do something like that and it's yeah look unfortunately like my daughter she's three this year like she'll never experience that of going down to a video shop or you know or having to reserve a film do you remember having to reserve a film or kind of book a film and i remember going down to get ace venture i mean looking forward to ace venture all week and going down on the friday and it was all booked out and i'd be like oh god i have to wait another week um, I remember the first two videos. I remember my parents getting a VHS machine back around 80, around 88, 89. And I remember, yeah, it must have been 89. And I remember the first two films we ever rented. I rented uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? And my parents rented 
The Last Crusade, Indiana nice. Jones, The Last Crusade, two great movies. And I remember just being blown away at the fact that you could just watch them in your sitting room. Yeah. <laughs> Long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that. It's like Saturday morning cartoons as well. My kids will never know the joy no. of that little block of time that was just yours. Yeah. But... It used to start, it used to start for me at 6 a.m. with Muppet Babies. And then you'd go through the the different shows and like live uh, uh, live and kicking was yeah. that like live yeah going live then live and kicking on like Batman the animated series yeah. run at like eleven a.m. or something that kind of finished up with Batman the animated series oh god yeah that just to flip between that and yeah. BBC One so it was X Men and X Men or Spider Man but they put that in two ten minute chunks so you yeah. then go back watch Batman the animated series go back to that then watch Animaniacs. Then I'd go yeah, out I to don't. the comic shop, I'd get my comics, and I'd come back, read my comics in the afternoon whilst watching movies, games, and videos, and the ITV chart <laughs> Movies, show. games, and videos, yeah. <laughs> yeah, to be honest, unless I'm working, my house would have to be on fire for me to get up at six o'clock in the morning now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right, then. Uh, what profession would you not like to do? Oh, I'd hate to work in a hospital. Yeah. Uh, I'd, uh, that's the one thing I know straight off the bat. Uh, like, any kind of... It's going to make me sound really selfish or really horrible, but like any kind of caregiver, nursing kind of thing, I just, I, I don't think I'd have that in me. That, that I don't know how nurses and things and, and people like that, I don't know how they do it, to be honest with you. I don't know how they go to work every day in those conditions. I don't know how they deal with those, the sadness of that job. I know there's the happy moments and stuff as well, but yeah, it's, I don't think I'd have it in me to do that every day every week, every month for yeah. a career. I, 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 It's amazing what those people do, but I personally just don't think I could do it. No, I'm 100% the same. So, yeah, it's just, it's that, it's any form of bodily fluids. I don't even want to deal with my own, let alone other people's kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and another job, which is strange because it's similar to mine in certain ways, but I'd hate to be a prison guard. Yeah. Just I, I've been in prisons. I, I I drop people off and stuff, and drop people off as if I'm giving them a lift. I you know I, <laughs> I, I, I put people in there, and you know I have to bring them there when I'm putting them in. You know, and uh, Jesus, I can't wait to get out once I'm in there. I, it's yeah. just such a depressing place. <laughs> I'd hate to I'd hate to work there every day. Yeah, no, it's yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine. Uh, all right, then, last question: If heaven exists, okay. what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Oh God. Heaven exists. What would I like God to say? Um, well, <clears throat> uh, I'm an atheist. I, I I don't believe in 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 anything like that. But I, if and hopefully I am completely wrong. If 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 I I when the day comes and there is a heaven, I'd like him to say something like, "Everyone's here. Come on in, nice. and just meet everybody." Yeah. That. And I've been very fortunate. I haven't really lost anybody ever. Even my grandparents, like I'm pushing 40, my grandparents are still alive, believe it or not. Um, but yeah, just the, 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 the thought that everybody gets to be together always and, you know, whatever pain people go through here, that it's, it's you know, there's nothing but hugs. And yeah, I think that'd be nice. Yeah. Um, hopefully, yeah, like I said, I'm not a believer, but hopefully I'm not. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. All right, then. So, sort of, obviously, you've got the All Star Super Pod going on yeah. at the moment. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, we started it, me and Rob, uh, All Star Super Fan uh, podcast. We started it back around March or April of last year. And uh, basically, we just cover 
the entire 80 plus year history of Superman. Um, we're both huge uh, Superman fans. We're fans of other things as well, like like you know, Rob's a huge Trekkie as well, and you know we love Batman and, and different comic books and stuff. But uh, Superman was always the number one for me, yeah. always. Same. And uh, yeah, always. I think it was being a kid with glasses and seeing a superhero who was you know, yeah, and the outside world gla- was a guy with glasses. I, I I didn't start wearing glasses until I was almost. 25 years of age but yeah i just i always like the idea of the clark kent superman people not realizing what he's capable of that kind of thing um and it inspired me in a way and i I spoke about it on i think it was matt's podcast yeah i spoke about uh, yeah i spoke about it before how it inspired me to follow my path you know because you read all these books i i remember years ago seeing a a, when i was about 16 or 17 very minor crime Uh, someone snatched a handbag on a girl that uh, was in my company and, uh, you know, you, you, you spend all these years thinking that, oh, my God, it, that's like me. Like, you know, nobody thinks I can do these things. But if something happened, I'd take care of business. And then I I didn't take care of business in any <laughs> shape or form. I, you know, I didn't know what to do completely. froze, completely panicked, completely let myself down. And it stayed with me for ages. And I was like, God, like reading the books and watching the, 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 the TV shows and stuff. Uh, I, I just felt a bit empty because I was like. I had always viewed them or watched them through this lens of, you know, that's like something I would be able to, you know, I would do that yeah. if I was in that position or whatever. And that partly the, the, how I kind of overcame that was by deciding to, to join the police then was, you know, I kind of came to the conclusion that I'd learn how to stand up and do the right thing. And if I didn't do it the first day, I'd do it the second day. And if I didn't do the second day, I'd do it the third day. And, you know, kind of put myself into a position where I couldn't sit down and do nothing or I couldn't kind of, be afraid to do something, which is what happened that day. I completely panicked, completely froze, didn't know what to do, uh, didn't want to be assaulted or anything like that, you know, and it, it's completely natural. Completely yeah, well, I mean, action, that's the one thing you know? movies don't tell you, isn't it? That getting yeah, punched it's completely. <laughs> getting punched, and I have been punched, getting punched hurts, you know, but sometimes... <laughs> even punching somebody hurts. <laughs> even punching, everything hurts in life, everything hurts. Uh, but you know what? Once you are actually punched, you realise it's not the end of the world either, yeah. you know? You know, all depending you know yeah. how could you take it um but yeah superman was always a huge thing for me and uh I followed it the whole way through movies tv comic books like that death of superman went back to the the original john byrne books and um i had a little bit of experience with college radio and stuff and uh, rob was a friend of mine i met on the kind of the comic con circuit troops uh, actually through a star trek fan club and then through a, a group i set up on on um on facebook and that's the uh, thousand clark group isn't it yeah, the Lawson Clark group. Yeah, yeah. I, I was um, member number one hundred. I was always proud of that. <laughs> very good. <laughs> I heard and to be fair, mentioned on I, the Lois and Clark podcast, and I was like, Ooh, oh, I very that good. Was there. That was it. And I, yeah, because uh, I, I, to be honest, I've kind of neglected that over the last couple of months now with the new job and with with the podcast and stuff. But um, it sort of yeah garnered a life of its own, though, as all good yeah. community groups on Facebook do in the end. And that's and all I wanted. It's to not be. descended into like a lot of groups do political bullshit, which given. Yeah, the political leanings well, like, of certain people in that car. <laughs> yeah, look, we are, look. We, everybody has issues. Most people have issues with Dean Kane and stuff. And yeah, it's not about that. It's you like the show. You want to talk about the show. There was a lot of groups with like five, three thousand people, and nobody talks about anything. I, I, I like these groups that have like a hundred, hundred and fifty people in it, and thirty yeah. of them kind of post things and talk about stuff. Um, and like that, I, I, I got talking to Matt through X. Matt invited me on the. Um, uh, Lois and Clark's new podcast of Superman yeah. podcast and I've been talking before about Rob about wanting to do something and when I finished that recording 
I really had a good time. I really enjoyed it. And I said it to Rob, I said, man, I'd really like to do something. And I can't remember if, if Rob, li- I think he listened to that podcast first and then he, he contacted me afterwards once that episode dropped and he was like, yeah, let's, let's do something. So we, we sat down and we, we, we talked and there was nothing I thought we could cover that we wouldn't get bored of very quick. Yeah. So um, like I know people do like Smallville shows, Lois and Clark shows, you know, ears, the comic books. So eventually we decided that we'd cover the whole 80 year legacy. Yeah. So some episodes we talk <clears throat> about, you know, Silver Age comic books. Some episodes we talk about, you know, Lois and Clark episodes. Some episodes we compare different live action um, episodes from different shows to each other that have a similar theme. Yeah, um, I really enjoy those. Yeah, and and I do too. Those are deep dives, we call them, you know, yeah. into, into you know, into, you know, like, you know, Superman gets amnesia in the 50s, Superman gets amnesia in Superboy in the 80s and the 90s and Smallville or whatever. Um, and then we've just been very lucky with the guests like yeah. that. Mark Wade, Jack O'Halloran, uh, which hasn't dropped yet, uh, Dan Reba, um, uh, James Mateus and then other podcasters and stuff coming on um, and we love it it's it's I, the only thing I'd love to do it a little bit more I'd love to do kind of an episode a week or an episode every two weeks but I just can't we just can't life gets in the way stuff. man work gets in the way man <laughs> you've got a job um, and a family <laughs> yeah you know um, but it's the, very the, difficult the, to be like you deal with the kid today I've got to do this podcast I've got to talk to someone I haven't alright <laughs> and, and I'm a gamer as well I haven't turned on my PlayStation in like nine months to be honest with you, like it's, that was the it's first just, thing that went for me when we had kids. That's the first thing to go. Like the <laughs> idea of sitting down and playing Red Dead Redemption two for six weeks, like I did when I came out a couple of years ago, like what the fuck? You can't. It's I been can't so do that long anymore. since I played a game that I know. So oh. back at me, like I can't believe how much time I used to waste playing games. I used to like get <laughs> home from work and sit up all night playing Grand Theft Auto. Oh, me too. <laughs> I remember the time that the amount of time I used to spend playing like DC Universe Online back yeah. in 2011, 2012, and stuff. Crazy. Um, so, yeah, so um, we're available. It's All Star Superfan Podcast. We're on um, Apple, we're on Google, we're on Spotify, SoundCloud, Podbean, Podbean everything yeah. there. Yeah, we're, 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 we're everywhere. And we have merch now on Redbubble if anybody wants to get a t shirt or a hat or a pin or a stick or anything like that. And we're hoping to continue with it, just kind of drop an episode every three, four weeks. Um, have more great guests on. We have more great guests lined up for the next couple of months. Comic book writers. Um, we're hoping to get maybe a, a Superman a, a voice actor maybe on if we're lucky. So like it's 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 been great. It's been a lot of fun. We love doing it. We love chatting about it, and uh, the support has been. The feedback has been great. So we're please come and and join us and listen. And and, and much like your podcast, where you know the, the feel is you know two guys sitting down having a chat in a bar or a pub or something like that that's what we wanted it to be we just wanted it to be like if the two of us were sitting in a bar or sitting in a in a coffee house chatting and the listener is the third person at the table yeah you know and that's yeah. that's that's what we wanted to feel like it's, it's and the guy eavesdropping but he's welcome to eavesdrop kind of yeah exactly exactly i mean i love listening to it because i again like you massive superman fan i got into it it was the return of superman actually got me into it and that sort of timed with lois and clark and the bbc yeah. radio superman so i yeah, yeah. The, the dirt mag stuff and that from bbc radio it just all hooked me in at once so i got caught in this perfect storm of superman yeah um, yeah it's like i've gone back there recently now too i just finished um superman smashes the clan which yeah. came out there and um, i got I, I recently went back and started reading some of the old alan moore stories from the 80s and stuff which i've loved um it's it's there's so much there there's so much yeah. content to go I'm, through i'm rereading panic in the sky at the minute from oh the, yeah mike carlin era 
yeah, I call it the Mike Carlin era because it's easy just to yeah. Clump I, it I, tried, I was talking to I was talking to Mike only recently a couple of weeks ago, and like we're trying to get him on the podcast, but unfortunately, if anybody is the situation that we find ourselves in with a lot with some well because he's still employed by DC, isn't he? He's still employed by DC because I was going to embargo. A few years ago, I was going to work on a book about the BBC Radio Audio Superman, the mm. Dirt Mag stuff. And we really wanted to speak to Mike Carlin as part of it, but he was the yeah. only one I couldn't get. I got managed to get in touch with most people, but unfortunately, yeah. things in my personal life happened. And then Dirt Mags got really busy. And if I can't get yeah. Dirt Mags, who's sort of, you know, the driving force behind all of it, I did think yeah. about doing it as a podcast series, but again, I just, it's been so long now. <laughs> kind of going, yeah. like, hey, remember yeah. me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, and that's the situation with, with guys like him. If they're, if they're, if they're, um, if they're under contract with with people like DC, or yeah, Warner, you have to go through DC it. and you say who you work and, for, and and they very rarely uh, give the, the green light for it. So um, we kind of have to try and get these people between. Jobs yeah, I, I was lucky. Know. I wrote a piece for Starburst on Lois and Clark, and Mike Carlin gave that a readover for me and corrected a couple of things. Oh, lovely! He's, always, he's lovely. I'd always assumed that Superboy was cancelled, but it wasn't. They hit a hundred episodes, and that was when they intended to end it. They just wanted to get enough to get into syndication, and then ironically, yeah. it never went into syndication anyway. The fact that even, but... <laughs> in fact, yeah, a hundred episodes. Like, there's more episodes of Superboy than there's Lois and Clark. Yeah. my mind, but yeah, look, but yeah, Stuart, this has been great. I've had, I've had a great time. So, this just is, quickly, then, where so can nice. people find you online or the podcast oh. online? Yes, yeah. So the podcast, like like that podcast, is on um, um, Apple, Spotify, Podbean, uh, SoundCloud. It's on. Um, did I say Spotify? Yeah, I think I missed one there. Um, you can find us then. We're at All Star Superfan on Facebook. We're at All Star Superfan on Instagram. We're at All Star Superpod on Twitter. Um, you can find me at Midlands Mos Midlands Man of Steel on Twitter as well. Uh, I think I have like thirty nine followers now. So. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's blown up, um, but yeah, we're, we're, we're there. You, you look and like that. I love when people get in touch with us um, yeah. and we're always looking for it. If people have ideas for interviews that they'd like to hear or people they'd like us to reach out with our friend, um, it was our friend Kieran there reached out saying he'd love to get here an interview with Dan Reba. And that resulted in me contacting Dan, Dan coming on. So we're open to suggestions. If people have anybody that you'd like us to try and get, um, yeah, it's it's great. And if people who are listening could leave a review, that would really help us out as well. We're 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 low on reviews at the moment, so it would be great to get to, to bump that up a little bit too. Yeah, I always forget. Well, I'm very slapdash with the reviews now. I'm like, leave a review or don't I'm give a fuck anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I know. And if you're a Lois and Clark fan as well, check out Lois and Clark the Legacy as well. Um Yeah, we, we did a, Facebook. I did the, the Lois Clark. There's a Superman and, and Lois one as well. Um to be honest, I I, I my I, I love Lois and Clark. I grew up with yeah. it. I was 10 when Same. it came out. It's it's well, right there for me. Slightly older. <laughs> uh, the Superman and Lois one is there as well if, if people wanted to join and chat and stuff. But, I must admit, yeah, I swerved that one only because of avoiding spoilers. Uh, spoilers <laughs> and stuff, yeah. And we, we, we do one as well. We do a small group. It's about 45 50 people on called World of Geeks, um, which was one of the first groups we set up, which basically just covers general nerd stuff so nice. like star trek star wars all that kind of stuff very small community started off about 10 years ago with just um people i knew from dc universe online and that and it's it's quite it's a look it's not it's not hectic or anything like that but you know if you want to discuss star trek stuff or news and stuff it's it's there for people awesome cool well thanks for doing this man i really enjoyed it and i really of enjoyed course. watching the film again i really enjoyed yeah, that nostalgic too. saturday night so. yeah it's it's great check it out people star trek 6 the undiscovered country and the undiscovered country is the future <laughs>
Awesome. <laughs> Cheers for coming on, man. Not at all, man. Mind yourself. Take care. It's, been, you. it's been an absolute pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. Second start of the ride. And straight on till morning. Captain's log, star date 9529.1. This is the final cruise of the Starship Enterprise under my command. This ship and her history will shortly become the care of another crew. To them and their posterity will we commit our future. They will continue the voyages we have begun and journey to all the undiscovered countries, boldly going where no man, where no one has gone before. And that was Star Trek VI. I'd like to thank Alan for joining me for this episode and talking Trek with me. Uh, if you're a Superman fan, be sure to check out the All-Star Superfan podcast. Uh, you can find it wherever you get your podcasts, or I'll put the links in the show notes uh, to both the podcast and the Lois Clark Facebook group. Um, so if you're a fan of that show as well, you can get on there and check out that awesome community. Um, if you've enjoyed this episode and be bothered to do so, please give the episode a share and tell your friends about it. Or don't. It's up to you. I can't tell you what to do. I'm not your real dad. Uh, your ongoing mission is to join us back here in two weeks for another movie chat, which may involve either Tim Burton's Batman, The Green Mile, or Gross Point Blank, depending on which one we record next. Uh, they're all up in the air at the minute. Uh, so, until next time, thanks for listening, and keep boldly going. Bye for now. I'd give real money if he'd shut up. Yeah.